Welcome, my friends. Welcome to another episode of the Renegade Detroit Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture and urban farmer, curmudgeon, skeptic, and listing agent at the Renegade Realty Group at Keller Williams. What is RDI? RDI is a local real estate investment and business group that meets monthly at various locations throughout Metro Detroit. This group is about networking and doing deals. This ain't your grandma's Rhea, folks. No sales from the front, no smell of Bengay, stale coffee, and or disappointment. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Those sad fucking dark rooms smell like mothballs. RDI is also this podcast where once a week I sit down with, well, should I really say once a week anymore? Uh, where I sit down whenever the fuck I want with someone <laughs> and eventually post a podcast. We're going to make this intro way more honest. <laughs> uh, but I am getting better. And I sit down with someone that is successful doing stuff in the area, and I pick their brain for their your entertainment and education. If you like this podcast, hook a brother up on iTunes. Go rate and review. Write something out. It's one of the small things you can do. It's a little tricky on iTunes. It's not that hard. Just hand the phone to your teenage kid. Don't let them type up the review, though. But they'll get you in the right spot, and then type that thing up, and you're in. Go to RenegadeDetroit.com. If you're interested in attending any of the local meetings, Meetup.com forward slash Renegade Detroit Investors or Facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. You can always hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at Jeremy Burgess. Legal disclaimer, in no way, shape, or form should anything that I and or my guests say be taken as legal and or investment advice. We highly recommend that before you make any investments or decisions involving them, you contact a lawyer, attorney, and or other licensed professionals. Be an adult. Don't fucking sue me or anybody else. Grow up. All right, time for the Renegade Detroit Investors Show Quote of the Week, where I pick a quote that sets the tone for the podcast, and technically my guest today picked a quote. This week's quote, I will tell you how to become rich. Close the doors. Be fearful when others are greedy. Be greedy when others are fearful. Warren Buffett. And let me introduce to my guest, Garrett Stuckey. Garrett is an entrepreneur and investor, and his current focus is on fix and flip real estate although he also does some retail business as well. He's one of the founders of the Dirty House Buyers Meetup in Ann Arbor. And he's also working on the startup space with his YouTube channel, Startup 360 Podcast. He has a beautiful wife and kid and lives in Ann Arbor where he hugs trees and eats granola by the fistful. Welcome, Garrett, to the podcast. Oh, thank you. So where's the granola? Listen to this? I'm hungry. Who? My grandma. This isn't. Your grandma's Rhea. Can I not bring her? Oh, you can bring her to the Rhea. We just maybe she would do a better Rhea. I don't know. Sorry for throwing you under the bus, Grandma. But you know what I'm talking about. Ethel's you. just stuck in the past. <laughs> um. <laughs> maybe that's just my grandmother. I had useless grandparents who literally they actually affected my entire life. They couldn't even feed. They were befuddled by life at like 58. Couldn't figure out the VCR or the remote control. I wonder if they were still alive, what they would do with cell phones and all that. But it's actually one of the things that makes me keep up with technology. Cause I'm like, do I really want to grow up and be that, uh, helpless in the modern world where I can't figure out anything? So it's my own bias throwing people's grandmother. If your grandma has an iPhone 10, I'm sorry. I'm not talking about yeah, that one. Okay. No, just, I just wanted to check. It's a question that's always been on my mind. Like, do you ever remember the dollars? This might've been before your time. The dollars meet up. The dollars meetup, no. I'm throwing them under the bus. I like many, if not all, of the people who went to the dollars meetup. I'm talking about when it ended at the end and it kind of fell apart. It became one of those rooms. It was Detroit Organization of Leading Landlords and 
real estate agents or some, some shit like that. I don't know. It was depressing. And every time I'm talking about, that's exactly what I'm thinking of in that room when I'm gotcha. So, but anyway, didn't bring you here to talk about shitty other meetings Yeah, that's good. <laughs> in my uh, rant in the beginning, <laughs> that's unless you want more of it, people. Um, I have known Garrett for quite some time when you originally came back to when you came to RDI, when was that? That was like 2011 or 12. No, it was, it was probably 2016, but it was still, Dude, like it was a, earlier than that. Wasn't it? I, uh, maybe sure 2015, but so I did my first deal, like investing deal in June of 2016. And so I had probably started trying to become an investor about a year before that. So 2015 at best, but it feels like a long time. It does. Yeah, it has been whatever. I don't know him at all. And I'm having him on this podcast and now we're going to figure <laughs> out more. No, just kidding. Uh, known of him for a long time. Yeah. Um, actually did some business together through ancillary means through uh, Steve Lundo, I think. Right. Yep. I think we wholesaled you guys deal back in the day or something like that. Did you take that really ugly house or something or? Yeah, so oh, yeah, the what do we call that one? We had a name for it. We the, so it was in Celine. That's right, Celine deal. Yeah, for people who have been listening to the podcast for a while, they're going to know something about the Celine deal because Steve managed to get two of three episodes about the Celine deal up. So they're actually still on this podcast. You can go back and listen to it. Yep. So yeah, we were supposed to talk about that, and we we never did that. So I get, we can do that now. Um, so that deal I bought from you guys, and it was interesting because um, it was just full of crap, both dog crap and cigarette butts and a really scary clown. Do you remember that clown? I remember the clown. The seller on this property was um, – I don't want to throw anybody on the bus. I mean, I've certainly had my fair share of mental health issues, but mm-hmm. – she, she, she needed help. She didn't need help. Professional okay. help. We made lots of jokes and blah, blah, blah. But this is actually one of those situations where not only can you do a lot of good, but this person actually legitimately needed a shit ton of help. So the house was just trash top to bottom. And you had to deal with all our weirdness. Yes. Yep. And I actually, there was one point where I, so I was still working at the time and I took a, a half day or I think a full day off to like show her different trailers at like trailer parks like and you're basically taking the money from this deal to go buy something just to have something stable and you know it's you know nothing fancy but it was it was pretty interesting to ride around with her all day and you know take it to a bank to set up a bank account and just it, very uh skittish might be a really good word to describe her almost um little meek a little yeah. meek and mild. Mm-hmm. Perhaps a little defeated by life too. I got I got that feeling a little bit. Or let down maybe might be a better word. Let down definitely kicked while she was down. Yeah. Her she had at least one son, if not two, living with her, and they were assholes. Um and you know, I guess I should maybe backtrack. I don't know what their mental health was like. Yes. I never really met them. So that's uh Unfair, I guess. Um, but it, it, from stories from her, it, they did not help. And it, and I, I really hope that things have stabilized for her since then because it's been 
a couple of years. So what I loved about that particular deal is it highlights so many things true about a lot of wholesale deals and flips and a lot of opportunities on the investor side when you're looking to wholesale and flip. I guess you could do rental too, but you're usually not buying a rental this jacked up, right? It's like it's usually some sort of value play. Mm-hmm. It comes with its own bag of problems. It does. Yep. And it's not the house or anything about the house that you're solving. It's always this other big ass bag of problems that are mm-hmm. ancillary to the house. Yeah. And people come to me as like, well, what am I supposed to do? I'm not doing all that for the deal or shit. I'm like, who do you think you're dealing with on these things? Right? Like, that deal was yeah. so perfect for that. All the mm-hmm. extra things you had to do. Oh, yeah. You had to take her out multiple times, didn't you? Set up bank accounts, show trailers, like so, so driver to closing, and you had to like do everything. Yeah, so I took her – so I only had to take her out once, but it was like a it was like a full-day affair. And, um, yeah, her truck had broken down during that time. Um, yeah, starting to just remember more details. So she had a car she was trying to sell – that she said if she could sell it would enable her to like save her house. Yeah. She didn't, she didn't pull that off, which sucks. And then the other, the other interesting thing is, so this, I closed on the day that it was like the last day of redemption from the tax before, like just, she lost it to taxes. And I remember Steve trying to set up closing for Thursday and the last day was Friday. And she's like, no, I might, be able to save it that's right you literally was the last day so yeah we closed at panera bread um on washington like probably like 9 or 10 a.m and then the title company had to go downtown ann arbor washington county and make sure it was like paid off so that i can actually buy the thing uh wait for those who don't know in Michigan, Michigan is a tax deed state. And what that means, if you don't pay your property taxes for three years, they will foreclose on it. Michigan is also a redemption state, meaning after your property has been foreclosed, depending on the property, and I don't want to get into all the details, you have up to six-month redemption This for a single-family home. There's some other things that apply mm-hmm. here, too. So it is a big deal that... You're scheduling a closing on the last day of redemption because literally the title company has to run the money down to whatever county you guys close this in and give the treasurer their money. Or she might have literally lost everything that day. Yeah. 15 minutes late and they literally would not care and they would auction the property off and she would lose all her equity. You would have no deal. So this is – so he's talking about on the last, last day. Mm -hmm. This is exactly what you don't want to do. Yeah. So this is – yeah, so she basically only had a few hours left to make this happen, and so, which was scary. And I, and I'm, I'm guessing too, she probably would have preferred to close later on Friday if it was up to her. <laughs> I, and I'm dead serious; she probably would. Yeah, yeah, she probably would have. Why can't we do four thirty? Yeah, right. That's like that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. So, um, got done, which was cool. Um, and yeah, I know. So the other thing that I think is a uh, really interesting about this deal is so uh, Jeff Rubinowitz funded a large chunk of it for me, and before we were closing, he tried to basically make me poop myself. <laughs> uh, so I, I <laughs> we're talking like there's going to be an eviction, like she's going to stay after, right? Like we closed, and then. 
she just went back and was going to pack and, you know, like, so it took her almost 30 days to get out, you know, did the letter thing, but he, he was, he basically was like, are you, sh- are you really sure you want to do this? And it was, it was a longer conversation than that. But that was a gist, right? That was the gist. It was like, you're getting her with the house now yeah, too. You sure yeah. you want to move forward? You're being stupid. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Jeff, I'm real stupid, I guess. <laughs> I want it. So um, hearing him tell that story, it, it, basically at that point, he was like, you know, I'm going to, that means I believe in the deal. And he, I think it went a long way in getting him to fund it. So, and now I pay him back for most of the stuff that I do. So. <laughs> Except the ones you don't want to, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. There's, <laughs> well, this one was a big juicy deal too. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like you weren't being compensated, but there was a lot of bullshit to deal with too. Yeah. There this was an ugly ass pool too. That was yeah, no end of I, grief or problems. I, uh, yeah, I hate pools. Me and too. You're you're gonna have to give me a lot extra margin for me to take another one on. It's, it, in my mind, it's another twenty five grand, like easy, like and it, it's that's not how much it costs, but the annoyance factor, the, the annoyance factor, because we start that was the first thing we started working on, and it was the last thing that was done. And then when you go to sell it, you think, oh, a pool, like people like pools, right? Man, more people don't like pools than pools, but. So when it comes time to selling, it could be a little tricky mm-hmm. sometimes. Well, then you got to like pay for a pool heater. Yep. Yeah, there's it, it was just a, a pain in the neck. It just so no, I don't, I don't want pools. Fill them in. Yeah, tear them out. Well, you, it, at least in Washington or uh, Celine, you need a permit to fill them in, and it's still just it doesn't really. You're kind of between a rock and a hard place on them. So. I always wondered about that. Like, why do I need a permit to fill in a pool if I tear everything out? It's like government sometimes. Yeah, I, I think they just don't want you to like put dirt in it and then have this like giant basin of water underground and messing with groundwater or something. I wonder I how Detroit know. feels about that. Mm. There's probably there's a rule in the book, 80, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, but there's probably <laughs> eighty, hundred thousand demoed houses where all they did was pour, pull the stuff back in the hole and cover it with dirt. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. <laughs> so he's yeah. worried about it. I think of my grandpa burying garbage in his backyard. Like, don't get me wrong, this is all bad things, but they're worrying about filling in a pool. Didn't you? I'm like all those old depression guys. Like, I'm not paying the garbage guy. <laughs> like, my grandpa had a compactor and he just went and buried everything in the backyard. <laughs> so, yeah. Tara's grandpa. Uh, oh, he's just burn his trash. And it, yes. Like, we'd go up there and they're like burning styrofoam plates. And I'm from Ann Arbor and might just like. I just want to go outside and hug more trees because I'm watching styrofoam burn. It made crying me so sad. A yeah, bit. just just so sad. He throws away all his six pack rings. Doesn't even cut them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fucking fish flying, yeah. swimming out there without stuff plastic around their neck. <laughs> See, that's what I think about, and then I think we've gone too far. Like, obviously, when I was in, um, God, when I was in Georgia too, I changed my oil once at my friend's house. They had a shop and all that, and we. I'm, Saved our oil and recycled our oil, right? And he took the oil. I'm like, where are you going? I was like, oh, we're going. We buried it in the backyard. I'm like, what? I'm like, yeah, that's what we always do. Literally poured the oil. This was in 1998. So I think about this, and I'm like, yeah, that's probably really bad, too. Mm-hmm. And I think we went too far. We can't even put dirt in the ground for a pool. But that's neither here nor there. Got me on a tangent about yeah. that. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> so – I. The other thing that I really so so this deal was actually when I uh, I quit my job and 
I, I'm a big believer that jobs are made to be quit. So if you have a job right now, you should go put in your two weeks notice um, and then worry about it. <laughs> um, I, I probably, I'm pretty far uh, on that. If it's like a spectrum of like, I'm going to come back to this hundred percent. Oh, yeah. I, so I'll talk about it. Yep. Um, so uh, I quit my job. The, I thought this flip was going to make me when I bought it, I was thinking like 70 to 80. And when I quit, like we had some stuff come up and I was like, maybe rerunning numbers. Like, okay, I got probably about 50 on this. Like, okay, that's, you know, that's a good runway. By the time we were done, I think I cleared like 12 and a half grand on this thing. And I'd already quit my job. And that's just, uh, I'm glad that I did. You're in the deep end then, buddy. I, yeah, there's there's really not much room. And I don't know how I got my wife to let me quit, but I did. And this is actually the second time I've quit a job. So we can, we'll can we spend some time on that. Second time, huh? Second time. All right. So you did it once before. We'll I, come back to that. Yeah. 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 So, so you burn your bridges. You got savings. You think you're going to make 70 grand. Then it's 50. Then it's 12,500 months later. Correct. And probably... Two months later than I wanted it to be. <laughs> and that was... Isn't that the story of life in real yeah, estate investing sometimes? It is. And that was my first, like, full rehab. And it just, like, I guess a little dose of reality. <laughs> but I wouldn't I wouldn't change it. I think Tara probably would. But <laughs> um, I think Tara and Gina could probably swap stories on the positions their bad husbands put them in at certain periods of time. <laughs> I think my wife would win, but I, don't I think we're think. similar in that um, high risk taker, right? Mm-hmm. And when you make a decision, you've kind of decided, right? I'm, I'm gathering yeah. that. Yeah. So that so that conversation with her went from, hey, like when this deal closes, I want to quit. You know, I think I'm going to make this much. To hey, like things are going okay. Like you know, maybe in a you know month or two as things get closer. Yeah, maybe you know, quit then to, you know, maybe you know, maybe next month, and then I, um, honey, I quit. <laughs> basically, so then, so I, I was, um, I was in uh, at this time I was like at a analytics consulting firm, and I had a client just like just a bunch of bullshit just took up my whole day, and normally I was able to sneak in real estate work. You know, so it was, it, generally speaking, it was like a really good gig. Like I was able to work, do real estate. I was working from home, so it was very flexible. So if I needed to like sneak out and do something, I could. Like uh, honestly, like I think most people would just like hang on to it as long as they could and got the real estate business going. But this client, co- you know, takes like just like an over stupid stuff too. But like just killed my whole day. I come upstairs. I'm like Tara, I want to quit, and <laughs> she's like. She's like, fine. Like, <laughs> that's really how that went. Fine, yeah, fine. Okay, Garrett. I beat her. I beat her down, basically. Like, and it was like, so like. <laughs> so it was like a six-week campaign of quitting my job, uh, and that was the culmination, or was it longer? Uh, it was shorter. Short. Oh man, <laughs> it's like a blitzkrieg job quit. It really, like, I went in in the span of two weeks. I went from, hey, I'm going to quit here in four months to I'm quitting today. Wow. See, I didn't do that to you, Gina. Yeah, yeah. you like that. He's he's so great to you, Gina. I did um, worse things. <laughs> please don't talk to Tara. You don't. Too, you two do not need to share ideas. <laughs> so two weeks. Yeah, that's a big. Um, that's a big jump. And 
Well, I guess she trusted you because, uh, yeah, I know it's hot in here, man. That's the one it's bad thing about uh, being in a room stack. with you. Well, it is, you know, I do have, if you like hair on shoulders and <laughs> shit like, I like that, I like something to grab on to, <laughs> then you're in, you're in the right place. No, working in a real estate office with a bunch of women when they prefer it 10 degrees hotter than everyone else can be a problem. I didn't even put on an undershirt today. I should have warned you. Oh, I yeah. appreciate that. Normally I keep the door open, but it'd be, it would be, it would be too loud. So you, qu- when did you quit your job? You quit your job right then? Right after you talked to your wife? Yeah. Damn. I- no, I, 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 like I said, I'm a firm believer in quitting jobs. And if you have a job, you should fucking quit that. Like I, it's, it's the worst advice I could give and it's the best. Um, just do it. Uh, yeah. So I, she would not, she would tell you that she wasn't really that surprised if, if at all. In fact, she'd probably be more surprised if I had probably stayed on until it actually Yeah, she closed. knows you for a while, right? You guys she have been does. together. Yeah, yeah. So we've been, yeah, because we got married in 2010. So, yeah, it's been. It's you didn't surprise her. No. So, yeah, I I, I like that you did it, though. I'm one of those crazy guys. Like, yeah, I don't recommend it in general, but that doesn't mean I don't recommend it. There are certain people out there that can't do it any other way. I think I would be one of those people, too. I got some questions about that. Yeah. Because I'm curious about how you made the decision, right? Because I get yeah. a lot of questions about how people make decisions. When you were thinking about it, are are you one of the, the kind of people that you think about it, think about it, think about it, think about it, and then you talk about it? Or do you start talking about it and through talking about it, you're thinking about it? Which one would you say you were? I would say I'm probably – uh, talking about it as soon as the ideas come into my mind. All right. So we're going to go with B. Yeah. For the most part. What do you do the second you have, uh, what was the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, come to a conclusion on that idea. I'm guessing you're the person, what I'm leading to is once you decide you immediately start taking action, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Not a lot of plan. Like sure. There's planning and stuff, Mm -hmm. but like you've decided what's the point of, hanging around anymore absolutely yeah yeah that's pretty rare it is i am like that too i go a i think about it um because of the way i was raised evil motherfuckers i keep my (laughs) mouth shut and what Mm -hmm. i think to myself a long time just like a habit keep my own counsel and then i open my mouth but same thing once i've decided there's kind of like no going back for me. I'm like, okay, so I got to cross this desert and I'm going to get skinny, but I'm going to come out alive on the other end mm-hmm. and I can get there three years quicker than walking around and I don't get skinny. Three years is three years. Might as well get there quicker. Like that's how my mind works. I make the decision. Okay. There's going to be some shitty things that happen, whatever. I'm not recommending this, that for most people, but if you're like that, that's, that's just how I am. So I'm reckon- recommending everybody quit their job. <laughs> Uh, except for uh, Kelly, who works for me. Don't quit your job, please. Kelly, you especially need to quit. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but so uh, so the way so the way I operate is, uh, I, I brainstorm in the shower, and and, and normally I, I and then I'll have an idea, and then I just. It, it seems like a good thing. If it does, I'm, like, I'm going to do it. I'm, but I'm also okay, like killing ideas and killing things really quickly. Like I'm not, 
and not afraid to say like, Oh, that was a bad decision. All right. I'm moving on like pivoting. Like I've done it a lot. I've done it in a very macro sense and a micro sense. And Dude, it does that's awesome. It I have matter. a hell of a time with that. Like for me quitting anything, I just, I've had to teach myself how to quit. And people will say that's a good thing, but it's not because if you have a bad idea and you're loath to quit it, mm-hmm. it could be very expensive. And I've made very many expensive decisions. I kind of like had to train myself how to quit on things mm-hmm. too. But that brings up a good point. If you're going to have a high risk kind of personality and take risks, you have to pay attention to evidence and make sure you let go of bad shit quick. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like that, that goes hand in hand with that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Otherwise, if you're married or romantic about it, you know, it's kind of like trying to swim with a, what, like a gold brick, right? <laughs> this is so hard. It's... Let go. You're going to be okay. Late. No, I love this gold brick. Come back. I did a lot of swimming or like with a cinder block. Like I did yeah. a lot of swimming with a cinder block. Yeah. So I, I, what's what? So the thing that I am committed to that I've not quit is that I, I'm a, as you can probably tell, a terrible employee. I I can't work for other people if I, if if I don't have ownership in it. I, like, I'll do a good job, but like, there's I only have so much energy that I can put into it before it's just like I snap and not in like a scary, violent way, but it's just like I can't do it. Yeah, so what am I doing here? Yeah, yeah, right. Like, it's just like should I like? That sounds like more like purpose driven. It could be like I. And it has to align with like your goals, otherwise. Is that, does that sound like more? Or is it just the fact that you don't have control? It was like, what, what, I'm just curious, what, what's the, it could be multiple things too. I, I think just, it's both. So my, my long term goals is to essentially be a collector of companies. That's long term. That's where I'm at. And the other goal, I think major like life theme is like to be self sufficient and not rely on somebody else and also be able to be very uh, helpful and supportive, not only to like my family directly, but also in a, in a greater sense. So to me, what that in part, how that embodies itself is that I can't just be an employee. Like that doesn't get me there. Like if I'm, making a salary, like sure money is nice and you, you need it for real estate and you know, you can make the argument, maybe stuff would grow faster if I had done it, but you can make the argument, Hey, now I have more time. I'm forced to do it. Right. Um, I think I am so much happier working twice as many hours, making half as much money than I am in a job because of those things. Okay. And that's, and that is, I think ultimately like when I joke about telling people to quit their jobs is like, if you're, if you're going to do something like craft your life and then just do it. Cause like you're going to die tomorrow. Maybe you might as well. I mean, you could. So it's, it's ultimately like the personalization of it. It's kind of what it's not like you get, you want to cater it to your life and your family's needs and you want control of it. And if you can't, then that sense of that, that kind of loss, you, kind of lose a little bit of ambition then is kind of what I'm hearing or not, maybe not ambition, like happiness or contentment. Yeah. It, it feels, um, I'm out of sync. Like, uh, 
I'm off-center, if you will. It's almost like an Italian way of thinking, kind of like an extended family way of thinking. Yeah. It's not American as American, but that that's interesting. Yeah. I like it. So that's – I don't know how we got there. Well, it takes, a, it takes a lot of folks. One of the reasons why I keep asking questions like that is I mm-hmm. think people have a certain idea in their head where they have to be a certain person or be a certain way mm-hmm. or do it a certain way while they're out there are more wrong ways to do it than right. Yeah, but there are a lot more right ways than you you think, and there are a lot more. There's a lot more flexibility than a lot of people think. It ha- doesn't have to be a certain way. Correct point I'm trying to make. You can craft your life exactly, and that's and I think maybe that's probably the real way to say it is like you know, craft your life, do it, don't be scared. Like it's frankly. I'm going to venture to guess that almost everybody here can manage to keep a roof on their head and food and clothes. And that's really from a, that's all that you need, right? And your loved ones. So in all of this, I've always, that's like one thought is like, can I pay my mortgage? Can I eat? Yes. Okay. Then everything else is gravy and I'm going to craft my life accordingly. You ever been down to the point where you ain't got shit? No, fortunately. Um, been really, really, really close. Um, like picking up, like driving for Uber and like having uh, an answer for this month, but not having an answer for next month. So, but you did do, let's talk about that. Okay. Right? I've run into this a few times where people quit their job. Go start working. It doesn't work for them, but they don't do anything else. And a lot of those people end up going back to a job mm-hmm. after that. Yeah. But you picked up other work that wasn't related to real estate at all while you were going through this just so you could make it through and stay in the game. So you sound like you did a little Uber. What else did you do? Uh, let's see. Uber was a big one. Um, what else did I do? Honest- so – Let's. I'm actually going to take it back a step because I've I have gone back to a job. So the first time I quit my job. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's go there because because there's more examples of what you're talking about in there. So um, in the beginning, the very beginning of 2013, I was in a inside sales job at Staples, like selling like small medium business. You know, what was I like 25, making good money for a 25 year old. You know. My wife was teaching at the time, probably the richest moments of our lives. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to quit and I'm going to start a, a, a SaaS company. And I didn't know what kind of company I was going to start yet. But basically the idea was I'm going to call a bunch of different people and figure out what a problem was and start a SaaS company. Wow. That is very high risk. You, you didn't even have an idea. You're just like, I'm doing it. I, yeah, so I didn't have a specific idea. I just had a plan of how I was going to get it going or like find it. I was basically, I had a plan to find an idea to start and I quit my job on that. So that's aggressive. It is. That's very aggressive. So in <laughs> that time, like I was fortunate. Tara how was old were you? How old were you? I was 13. I would have been 26, 27. That's about right, though. Going out, you yeah. know, like got a few 20. years under your belt. Right, yeah, I'm a little, trying. little, little sass in you, you know. Yeah, so yeah, it was probably, like, yeah, probably like right around 27, and 
yeah, so my, fortunately my wife was working at the time. Um, and when I quit my job the second time, she was not. So there was like no income besides me. And that's, um, <laughs> uh, where we basically currently are. Um, so, so I quit my job. I had a teaching degree as well. So I started substitute teaching as like my like kind of side income. And as a substitute teacher, you plug in a movie, you hand them worksheets. So it actually afforded me a lot of time to work on this stuff while I was building what became School Collector, which is a ticketing service for like high schools, like prom tickets and stuff like that. Um, if you are an educator, it is still up and running. <laughs> Schoolcollector.com. There we go. What's the website? Schoolcollector.com. Yep. Does this make you any money still? Uh, it It is continuously growing very slowly, okay. but it is growing. So this year was our best year, and we finally broke uh, ten grand in revenue, So, which is awesome. So it's, it's paying off its own debt, which is wonderful. And um, credit card balance transfers, they're amazing. We've got to move it to the other 0% interest, baby. Yeah, no, and there's there's a spreadsheet, and Tara's very good at it, and we'll be doing another. Tara and Gina would get along great. How Gina and I got into the business initially is pulling money off of credit cards to buy houses in Detroit. And she became an expert at doing that six-month transfer to another 0% Mm. interest to save us a shit ton on interest. Yeah, that was actually a legitimate thing you could do. We did a bunch of that from 2005 through 2000, I think like halfway through 2007 when the crash happened in Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, so I've been thinking about this and I don't know if this would work. So if somebody could test this for me, let me know. (laughs) All right. So you're not allowed, like when you do like a cash advance, it's like a really high percentage rate. However, when you go to a credit card website or like a credit card, you can say, Hey, I want to do a balance transfer and pay off this other credit card. So... Can you pay off a Chase? So, like, say, like, you go from like Capital One to Chase, right? Say, like, you go to Capital One, say, hey, I want to pay like ten grand off my Chase card. Well, they send ten grand to Chase. Well, that card doesn't have any money on it. Credit cards normally they'll send you a check if you've overpaid them. Well, they just cut you that check for ten grand. And That's then interesting. You, and then you have a loan. So, balance transfer fees typically are three to five percent. So, basically, you have a ten grand loan at three to five percent. If you if you have enough credit limit and you can pull that off, you might be able to buy your first flip in conjunction with hard money. I don't know. I'm tempted to try it. That'd be interesting. When we were doing it, that's back when they were giving money away to everybody. They would literally send you checks on your credit card. They would send you a credit card abrogation saying you can write checks to yourself and spend this 0% interest. It only costs you $35. So long as you pull out at least $5,000 or something like that. So we didn't have to do anything tricky. They were just like, this is 2005, six, and mm-hmm. 7. They're like, what, you have a pulse? Yeah. You need some money. Yeah. Why aren't you spending this? We're trying to give you more money. Just yeah. We didn't have to do anything tricky. Mm-hmm. Wrote checks that's, to ourselves, that's right? Awesome. I, it was back in the day. And that's, and that's kind of how we ended up in the position we were yeah. in a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not a financial advisor, but if somebody could let me know if that works, that would be great. <laughs> Uh, don't email me. <laughs> email Garrett. Here, what is your email address? Let me pull it up real yeah, quick. Yeah, it's, so it's uh, Garrett at StuckyRealEstate.com. S-T-U-K-K-I-E RealEstate.com. Yep. So you email him the answer to that question. Don't don't bar, yeah. just in and case it was G-E-R-R-I-T. stupid. G-E-R-R-I-T. So um, anyways, 
but I really do want to know. Um, so anyways, we're, we're off track here. Where was, I was going somewhere. With well, you're that, talking though. about the oh, school, school collector. Yeah. School collector.com. Yeah. Yep. Paying so, off your debt. Yep. So school collector.com is free for schools pays off. So it's paying off its debt and which is great. And so we started that, um, 2000, what did I say? 2013, 2014. Um, Tara had planned from where the idea came from. It did not grow like I had anticipated. And so that's when, so I was subbing. This wasn't making any money, which we were counting on. So I went back, I got a job, um, through the buddy. So, um, you know, paying attention to your network, you know, being is really ultimately where a lot of success comes from. And that's, so I was there for about two years and then I quit my job. And then again, uh, <laughs> how long after you quit the first job, do you have to go crawling back to another job? Uh, about a year. Like I always said, crawling back hands and knees. Yeah. Did you have to beg? I had to beg once. <laughs> I, I did not have to beg. Um, that's always I, good. I just, so the thing was like, um, my buddy Nick was like, I, you know, I'm going to vouch for you, but like, I need you to stay at least a year. I was like, I can do that. And so I stayed too. And maybe I was driving Uber then. I don't know. Anyways, but what was I going to say? Yeah. I've been really committed to this entrepreneurial ship thing for a while now. And well, I'm going to ask you some personal questions. If you do don't it. want to answer, just don't. Mm-hmm. Was there any resentment um, with the debt? Because I think what happens a lot of times too, because let's let's face it, investing is risky. Mm-hmm. Starting any new venture is risky. Yep. And when you don't know shit, shit's risky, right? So you kind of like have a, a, a ball of risk and you're going to go out and do it your first time. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people don't have a spouse, male or female, whatever, right? Yep. There's usually a spouse who's more worried about it than the other. When things go wrong, mm-hmm. a lot of times what people are afraid of and why they don't is they're afraid these things. How did you guys get past this? Was there any level of resentment or how did you negotiate it? Or I don't know. Kind of walk me through that. Um, if you don't mind. Don't yeah, talk about no, anything I, you don't, don't want to talk about. Um, yeah. So the first time we did it, both – Tara and I were very much on board and I think like there was a lot of like naive optimism in it. And, um, over time she has come to not share that same optimism as much as I still do. And not, not to say she's like negative about it, but like there's, when I say, Hey, Kay, I'm going to, I like, whenever I bring up an idea, I have to like, take a few moments to like, say like, Hey, this is an idea. Like I'm, you know, this is what I'm thinking about, you know, trying to just trying to bounce it versus just to keep her from thinking, Oh my gosh, he's going to do something else. Like what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Here he goes again. Yeah. So, um, and I think the other thing is, yeah, the, the financial stresses definitely have, uh, there have been moments where I think it's really impacted our marriage and our relationship and it's made it a lot harder than, I think if I had just kept a job this whole time and like transitioned into real estate or whatever it was I was doing and maybe taking a cut in pay, but not like a crater in pay, I think there was some stuff there that would have helped. The way I have 
we've managed it is we've gotten very good at financial um, gymnastics. Um, like we're really good at it. Um, I, I don't sometimes like now I know how we pay our bills for the most part. Um, and that runway is I th- kind of exciting. We're like, I think we're finally kind of turning a corner where Isn't it's that like, fucking great. It's, it's good. Like people don't know, like that's, it's, Here's an analogy I use. It's like crawling across a desert blind mm-hmm. and you stumble into an oasis. And it's the first time you've had water in three and a half days. Like that can, when you finally aren't worrying about mm-hmm. all the time when the next shoe is going to drop or what I got, or I got to, yeah, or I got to plan or here's what we're not doing for the next three months to make sure we can do this in month mm-hmm. four. Like, I don't know, maybe it's more like, I don't know. It felt so good when I find I had to do it a couple of times, unfortunately, but yeah. Yeah. So we, so we are, we are stumbling, I think, into that oasis, like to use your analogy as we speak, where it's like, okay, like now I'm, there's some elbow room, like going out, like, oh, hey, like. I don't care about grabbing that second beer as much as I once did and, you know, things like that or whatever it may be. Right. Um, so, I th- so getting good at the financials, like really like attacking it, um, getting good at, you know, doing the Uber doing, um, so we wrote for textbroker.com for a while, which is great. Cause like just, uh, if you're intelligent, they, pay you to write stuff like it's um freelance it's really simple you just so that's a really great way to do it and we would basically like hey like we need to make like x dollars a day on this to like pay for stuff and like you know so basically like doing the math and then oh, yeah. so you can re- you kind of found a few opportunities in reverse backwards and came up with a plan for it yeah that's exactly cool yeah so that's that's a lot of it but like it there's from I guess from Tara's standpoint, there's, there's a level of scrutiny on what I am doing to make sure that I am making enough money to pay for stuff. Absolutely. And it's what I have had to do is to justify things and, and, and make sure that she is comfortable and knows how things are going in my business. Um, sometimes we'll have conversations where it's like, Gary, like, when are you going to get paid next? And it's like, oh, I've got this, this, and this. And then, and then it like, you can kind of see, like, tension relief from her because we're not at the point where it's like, hey, I'm having, like, five closings a month. And it's like, what are we going to pay for? The, like, how are we going to pay for 10 years down the road? I don't have that problem yet <laughs> kind of thing. So, um, but she's been really supportive. Like, I, don't, I hope I'm not making her seem. No, that's actually, okay. this because it actually sounds like a, a literal negotiation, right? Like, there's give and take. There and, is. And yeah, there is an extra level of scrutiny, but at the same time, I think you kind of need that. That's something I had mm-hmm. to do with my wife. I made every bad, like, yeah. if there was a wrong way to turn with Gina for like four years, I made that wrong turn, right? Like I was under stress too. And like yeah, my emotional IQ about that, because I was fine. Like, anyway, I made a lot of bad mistakes and I've also seen through what, like, 11, 12 years of Renegade Detroit Investors. Now I've seen it happen to a lot of relationships too, which is why I keep trying to get couples on the podcast, but that's harder than you think. Like, so how you actually negotiated it and you still had to go do it a second time, right? Which let's face it. If you're starting businesses, when you look at the number of failed businesses, Mm -hmm. 
I'm not wishing this on anyone, but statistically, you're probably going to start more than one. Absolutely. So I think this is pretty relevant, actually. Like, hey, look, there was a failure. Mm-hmm. They had to renegotiate it. Then we had to go back out and do it again. Right? Yep. Like, that's not always a peaceful process, and it requires give and take. Um, it does. Yeah. And and I think the the cool thing is, like, through all of this, like she has believed in my ability to get this done at a certain point. Uh, I think sometimes when I talk about timeline, she's like, fuck you, you know, you're wrong. And I am <laughs> dude, you're a flipper. Like that's uh there's a reason I call that hero money. Like there's a lot of people trying to ruin your margin on a flip when you're trying to get something fixed and solved mm-hmm. until you've done it. You people don't know like, yeah, yeah, you need to – there's always shit that comes up. It takes longer. Stuff comes back in an inspection. I mean, you can do the best job. And Sometimes you have to sell it twice. Yeah. That happens. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, 30% of the time in my listing business, I have to go back and sell it twice. I've looked at the numbers. 5%, I got to go back and sell it a third time. That shit really sucks. So why are you having to resell it 30% of the time? Falls out in inspection. Almost always. Yep. Every once in a while, I think this has happened twice, um, something will go wrong with the loan. I think I've had that happen twice. Okay. Which actually is really low for like a hundred, I think I've done like 150, 160 retail now, but it's almost all, I guess there's sometimes a few title issues that you can't fix. So I'm going to say like 10% title issues. And or loan fell apart and like 90% fell apart on the inspection. That's okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So we've, you know, I've definitely had some deals fall apart on inspection as well. Yeah. That's a lean deal. Actually, we had to sell twice. The kick in the balls on that one was they, and in hindsight, I wonder how much this is true. They missed the inspection deadline, asked for two days did an inspection and then we we're just like, no thanks. And we were like, really? Like we like, you don't even want to like negotiate, ask for fixes. And they just like backed out of the deal. And it was like, it was so frustrating to like be nice and extend an inspection period. Cause I don't have to right? like, but it was like, ah, so that was frustrating. <laughs> Anyways, that was really nice of you. You know how many times I've done that Garrett? Take a guess. Uh, I'm going to go at least 12, if not 15 <laughs> times, or zero. I can't decide. <laughs> zero. Uh, I've done that once. Uh, Are you ever going to do it again? No. No, probably not. Actually, you know what? I Maybe. I would. It, it depends. You're way nicer than me. I am way nicer than you. That's true. You're actually nice. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not, not on that, man. You fuck, yeah, you fuck no. with my seller's money. It's That's bad day for you. Yeah. I've I, actually uh, stolen multiple EMDs that way. That I, – I think that's – honestly, I think that's really the lesson is like – is if you're going to do it, say like if you back out of this deal, I'm keeping your EMD. And then, and then it's a compromise because I, I think like there are lots of ways to negotiate. I kind of view like – I look at it as like, hey, like we're working towards getting this deal closed. Let's do it. My goal on a flip is to give you a home that, frankly, you don't have to worry about. Like, this needs to be a good product. So, if there's like 
if stuff turns up like mold issues or like asbestos, like, so we have a flipping Westland right now where there was mold. Okay. We're going to take care of it. There was tile they thought was asbestos. And we're like, uh, we're not sure. Tested it. It was asbestos. There's your credit, right? Like we're, you know, like as long as you're like, everybody's goal is the same. So let's do it. And then it's my responsibility ahead of time to run the numbers and be in a spot where, yeah, if I, lose a grand or two off the original offer between fixes and shit. Like that's, that's part of the business. It absolutely is. Yeah. That part. And if that's the only two grand you're making, that's really stressful. But when you're counting for it, then it's not. So that's actually one of the reasons why I tell people you need to make more money. than You think you need to make on a flip too. Mm-hmm. Some people are trying to do like, well, I'll clear 25. That's good enough. 25,000. I'm like, that is not fucking good enough. Like you need to be clearing 40, 45. That way you can make a couple mistakes and walk with 10 and still complain about it. Right. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it is bitter. I've done this multiple times. It is a bitter pill to do all that work and make nothing or almost nothing. Yeah. For the return. That's also why I call it hero money. When mm-hmm. you wholesalers are wholesaling the flippers, like, look at all the money they're making. Well, fuck you. You go flip it and see if that's how much money you actually make at the end. Yeah. Sometimes that's, it is. Yeah, it is. Then Most of the time, it's not that it's number. Not, no. It's usually just a little bit less. But then there's that minority of the time when it's a lot less and mm-hmm. dang, you're really happy. You you were targeting 45000 in profit and not twenty five. Oh yeah, that's that's uh so true because I so my my lowest margin one I think I made about five grand and that one was scary because like so I had comped it it was in this neighborhood in Ann Arbor where there's probably like a dozen it's like a rectangle brick house and everything else around it is just a different style you know whatever. And so I was like, Oh, you know, kind of copying what I see, like, this is going to be a nice thing. Well, in the time that it was under rehab, we had this comp hit that there was like another one of these brick rectangle ones. And it was a shit comp. Ooh. Like it, like it was like 75 grand lower than what I was anticipating on selling my flip for. It, Not cash either. Was it like on a loan too? So you can't it, even like argue with the appraiser about it. Um, or did you look? I I didn't look. I don't know if I did or not. I well, I'll frankly, you, there was enough emotions going. Like it was like it was really stressful. If if they got a loan to do it, that's so fucking bad for mm-hmm. your comps. Like it's bad when it's cash. Yeah. Right. And they will look at the condition, and you go, man, motherfucker, it's supposed to be a loan, a third party. And it's not cash. How many people? And you can sometimes like get mm-hmm. a little air. If they went and got a conventional or an FHA or a VA loan on it, now you're like. Mm-hmm. What are you going to even say to the appraiser? Like it's a third trans. There's multiple people involved in appraiser and a loan. Yeah. That looks like the free market to me. Mm-hmm. That's not a distressed sale. Yeah, they're going to use that comp. Absolutely, that sucks. It does. So that really scared me. People yeah. don't think about that. That that could happen too. It doesn't happen often, but it is a risk. It's a possibility. It is. And so there's there's a few lessons here. Um, <laughs> like one is like. I should have looked at those other houses and just gone further back in time to look at those comps and then kind of applied like general market, like percentage growth. How far back did you look? Uh, I normally start at a year. Yeah, that's what I do too. So I should have like for that neighborhood and that, that it was just like, there was just a dozen of these houses. I should have looked 
five, even five years back and figured out like, okay, like these houses don't sell the same. And then I could have planned for it. Fortunately, I caught spring last. So this, I sold it last spring in Ann Arbor and it was, so this is 2018 spring, which was so hot. Like, I think I had one offer, one property had 33 offers on, like it just, Mm -hmm. he's so good times to be listing, especially if you made a mistake. Exactly. And and so that, that market made me money basically. Like there's no other way to describe it. So I say I'd rather be lucky than good sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Be as good as you want in the worst market in the world. (laughs) No luck whatsoever. (laughs) You can make a lot of mistakes in a good market. You shouldn't count on it, but yeah. Um, dude, that sucks. Yeah, it does. So yeah, somebody recently said like, yeah, as long as I like, don't lose money on a flip, you know, I'll be right. And I've been like, no, 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 no. no." I promise you, even if you think you broke, you broke even on a flip, you did not Mm -hmm. break even on a flip. Yeah. There's always, there's a way to throw money away. Like that's why you got to do a lot of them too. Mm -hmm. Cause yeah, we're, you know, we're finally getting to a point where it's, you know, it's more comfortable and you're kind of like kind of getting rested into it but i always tell first timers or even myself like if you can beat the shit out of a deal ahead of time like okay take your comps take like the really bad ones take your timeline ruin it you know add you know 20 percent in rehab money and if you look at that and there's still like a decent number at the end of that then that's a deal you need to do that's actually pretty good advice right there especially Mm -hmm. for your first one Mm because that's Probably pretty accurate. That is. And that's, and that's, I mean, honestly, that was that Celine deal. That's, that's what happened. Like I like, cause I, you know, like when you're doing your first one, like, I mean, I bought that thing for 135 grand. Like that's a lot of money. And it's like, oh, you know, you're just like scared. Then you got Jeff yelling at you. (laughs) 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 Um, (laughs) And then where's my money, man. Yeah. Right. You know, where's my money. And he just shows up at your door. You know, at like 2 a.m. and he's like, hey, do you want to drink this bottle of whiskey? And I'm like, Don't you guys text back and forth late at night? Oh, we do. Yeah. If you if you want to text, let me get my phone. I'm going to get you Jeff's number and you can text him. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so yeah. So that's – and that's what I did to that deal. And I remember like running numbers and looking at it and being like – and there was this point where like, oh my gosh, like I have to do this. And that's and that's what I did. And that's, that's how I got in. And – I, I think that was, uh, I think how I did it was really good because I made 12 and a half grand and literally I, I missed my ARV by like 10 grand. Didn't quite, well, I probably went about three months longer than I wanted to and spent probably another like 30 grand more than oh, I anticipated on rehab. That's really where it, see, that's really where you get killed. Time. Time. time and there's oh no matter that's why you got to add extra money to how much you add to your rehab now like after you go through you have a little bit more experience now but mm-hmm. when you get to the end i usually bake in something like five to ten percent and i miss something i can't see something i can't i also yeah hand raise i don't do things like sewer scopes i should probably do like so i kind of put in like uh, a little bit of just in case shit. Cause I always mm-hmm. seem to be surprised. Right. Yeah. So there's, there's always a surprise in that. So I don't have like a strict rule. I just, whenever I'm thinking about numbers and stuff like that, I'm pretty, I, I guess, loose with like the amount I will ascribe to a, a repair if that in a, in a more expensive way. And then 
I'll just kind of like, if it's like, oh, I think this is like 30 grand, mm, well, let's call it 35, 40, you know, like, okay, is, this does is still work. Yeah. And yeah, it's not a hard and fast rule. I'm just like, I inflate it and I know I'm inflating everything. And then yeah, you I'm, have to. And then I'm like taking down my ARV. So if I, if I'm targeting like 220 to 230, I'm going to run off that 220 number and then. I think some new investors think you can get like an inspector, a general contractor to go through the house and they'll find everything immediately and put it all on this list and there won't be any surprises and they'll hit every timeline and Mm -hmm. that's just not how life is or flips are or real estate in general, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You can't – there was a – this is funny. I saw somebody in the the Facebook group like post like, don't call me on a property you don't own. (laughs) Like I – I can imagine how frustrating that would be to have somebody like call you for a quote on a house that they don't own or probably aren't even serious. I'm I'm assuming the, (laughs) um, the other thing too, uh, there, if you have an inspection period, there's no harm in putting something under contract. It's very, it's a very safe place. Uh, You got a timeline on it, but if you give yourself a 10 day inspection, I mean, we, we were, when we are like really actively hunting, like we're writing, Multiple offers on houses, sight unseen. You know, we look at the pictures, run comps, like, oh, this this is probably where we would be on it. And if once we're either in a serious negotiation and or get an offer accepted, then we go look at the house. And that's when we use that time to validate our numbers. And then we act accordingly. Like, hey, like, this came up. Or we're like, oh, shit, like, we were way off. Sorry, we're going to back out. And it's... No harm, no foul, as long as you're following your contingencies. I like that, too. So you're aggressive up front. So you do a lot of – you obviously look at pictures, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you are making an educated offer on pictures with – so you do a 10-day inspection period? Do you always get it or – like what's the minimum you'll accept? I So I personally would do a one-day inspection if that's what it required because then I would just get it done in that one day. Um, But – if you're newer, I would tell you to kind of stick firm on that 10 days because you'll want somebody else to walk through it with yeah. you. Like I, so like I am comfortable walking through it or like walking through with Reed and have, you know, like making sure like ideally like now I like for both of us to walk through in that inspection period. It doesn't have to necessarily be together, but allowing time in our schedules to do that. So it's like, Hey, I think this is a 35 grand rehab. He's like, Oh, I thought this was like 33. Like, well, okay, it's cool. So it's 40. Let's go with it. Um, so yeah, inspection periods are great. As a listing agent, I always reject 10 day inspection periods just at a general principle because I work for the seller and I don't want to lose marketing time in case I got to put it back on the market. That being said, fucking ask for it. Yeah, absolutely. I know most people don't even bat an eye. Like when I say 10 days, no way, seven days. And they're like, I guess we can get it done in seven days. Like, of course you can get it done in seven Mm -hmm. days. But ask for it because I know for a fact I'm going to throw out a percentage. 90% of agents are just going to take the 10 days. It's like such an industry standard, especially if you knew, just give yourself more time to figure the shit out, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I. Because what's funny is like when I list houses, like I I don't necessarily care about the ten day inspection because 
I feel there's like, there's a certain amount of negotiating capital before it just like everyone just hates each other. And th- that to me is not so important. Like those, those, cause generally speaking, people are going to do it within that seven day window anyway. Like they're, when you have this home buyer, it's not, they like get something on a contract, you get an inspection scheduled. So yeah, I'm on the other side of that. Yeah. Have you ever read uh, winning through intimidation? No. What's that guy's that, that name? That scares me. Anyway, it's not actually about intimidating people, <laughs> believe it or not, but it's a the best negotiating a book I ever read. If you want to know how I run my listing business is basically I dominate the process from start to finish. And if you're not hearing from me, it means you're doing things in a way that we approve of and we're not going to get in your way. And the second you start doing things we don't approve of, we start babysitting you every day. So that's how I, like I that. do it. It's, think of my listing thing as I'm kind of like got a damn factory going. Mm-hmm. And there, and this is why I spend so much money on a good transaction coordinator and everything else like that. I'm selling so many houses. I can't be peeling off time to go babysit these bastards. So yeah. I have a plan and procedure in place. Mm-hmm where my transaction coordinator can kind of, and she does like, all right, they're doing everything they're supposed to do. Let them keep doing, you know, you'll see the emails come across. Don't annoy them. Yep. Answer the questions they want. Do you not sing it? Annoy them every day. Call them every day. Call a title company. Sometimes we'll just take over and do your work too. It's my least favorite thing to do, but I Mm -hmm. figured the seller hired me to get it done. And sometimes the best offers with the worst agent, which I hate and we'll just take over the thing. So I don't know if one's right, one's wrong. I think I'm more of a factory too. Like I'm trying to do the same damn thing every time. Like, mm-hmm. so I don't have to think about it at all. I'm pretty restrictive on my listing business too. I try not to throw shit that breaks the machine in as well. So, gotcha. Well, then I won't do a good job, and everybody will hate my fucking guts anyway. Yeah, too. no, that's no, so. that makes sense. And I actually, I really do like that, and I think that's um, uh, a really good point of having that consistency in those procedures and lying, li- lining that all up. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. I guess the, the three days, I don't know that I care enough to like, yeah, I don't know. I'm obsessive about it. Here's yeah. what I don't want. There are some agents out there. I'm gonna throw a number out. 15%. Okay. That use that as a negotiating tool, right? So they'll take 10 days on the 10th day. They'll start the process, right? Trying to drag the negotiation out. And their goal is to drag you into deep water. So you feel like I've now had this, I'm so far into this process. I might as well keep going. So kind of how I set everything up is to, before we even accept the offer, I've made sure you have not that person or, If I was wrong, I've now limited you to seven days or five days instead of 10 days. And sometimes they write in business days. I'm like, zero chance. Like, I've never done that. Yeah. I have done a few 10 days. Um, Here's when I will do 10 days. Appraisal guarantees. (laughs) (laughs) If I get an appraisal guarantee, um, if it's a enormous... Five ten thousand dollar twenty thousand dollar earnest money deposit. Mm-hmm. If, if they're doing other stuff, yeah. basically to earn that, those additional days. And then I'm like, this is obviously not the person we're worried about. Do mm-hmm. I want to annoy this person 
by removing three or five days from their their inspection period. So yeah, so there are exceptions to that rule, but that's mm-hmm. kind of why I do it. Is um, well, it, well, you know, you get hard money loans, right? Every fucking day, this thing's on the market. You, you owe more. You owe DTE that's true. more money. You mm-hmm. owe. So you got you got electricity, you got gas, you got yeah. insurance, you got you got everything. You got your hard money lender. You got Jeff texting you in the middle of the night asking, yeah. "Where's my money, man?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Like the when he's like, "Hey, I'm just gonna get you some Canadian Club," and it's like, "Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> Canadian Club." I bet he doesn't even own Canadian Club. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's got a bottle. He of might this. buy it just for you. He might. Yeah. Um, I found this in the gutter. Here you go, Gert. Yeah. <laughs> Canadian Canadian piss water. So. <laughs> Um, by the way, speaking of Jeff, I recorded a podcast with Jeff and Tommy and they've not released it yet. And I'm going to put that on the record. So there you go. Anyways, if you did, I'm sorry, I had missed it. Then I should go look for it. He has not. Okay. Thank you. Tommy Desmond. (laughs) (laughs) Tommy, Tommy wants to build up a library before he starts releasing them. I don't know what that means. I've obviously, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say shit though, because. I've been on a pretty haphazard podcast posting <laughs> schedule. So when I have like two or three months consistently back under my belt, I'm going to talk a lot more shit. I promise you. I'll come yeah. back on this. Okay. Tommy, if it's not up in two or three months and I'm more uh, consistent, I'm going to have more to say as well. <laughs> I don't feel like I have a leg to stand on. Garrett can. Yeah. No, I, I just, I'm just excited. So, you know, I thought it was my first podcast and it turns out it's going to be like my 15th. So I knew it was going to be better. It's going to be better with me. You know that. Yeah. yeah. I do all the nice things. Mm-hmm. No. They did. They did bring me whiskey. That does help. I know. Yeah. I don't drink. I have um, alternative <laughs> <laughs> right here in my pocket. It's not whiskey, but it's like the it's a smoking whiskey. Yeah, we're we're cool with that in Ann Arbor. Anyway, yep. sorry we got we got way off track yeah, we there. Did. I like that about the ten day inspection. I just I don't know. No, I, I I'm I'm rethinking it now. To be honest, that's actually a really good point. Is like. Don't well, drag out this process longer than it needs to be. The Ann Arbor market, though, is a little different. But I have sold, believe it or not, I know it doesn't happen very often, I have sold some Ann Arbor-priced homes here and mm-hmm. there, and I did the same thing on the home inspection. But it might be a little different price point, too. I try and be careful what I'm talking about, considering most of what I sell yeah. is in that 100 to like 175000 mm-hmm. range. And I know Ann Arbor is way different, yeah, I don't, too. I don't so. touch that shit. <laughs> I know um, that garbage. <laughs> if it, seriously, if it's not seven figures, it's not worth my time. <laughs> That's Where are you listing? True. I'm yeah, moving I there. I know, right? Um, but you should move to Ann Arbor if you want to more than double your listing average. So another one of my friends, Todd Waller, and I were chatting a couple of weeks ago on the old Instagrams, and we were patting each other on the back and all that. And he sent me how much he, he closed. I'm like, that's really good. I'm like, damn, man, you're kicking ass. And I'm like, I'm feeling pretty good. I sent him how much I closed. He's like, yeah, damn, man, you're kicking ass. Then he sent me the number of units. Immediately depressing. <laughs> <laughs> Almost like half the number of units. I don't mind. I actually sell, like selling a lot of units. I was just like, if I could sell that many units at that price point. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, that's um non-real estate agents like what the fuck are they talking mm-hmm. about? Yeah, that's agent it, shit. Don't worry about it. Yep. Yeah, you know, don't worry. It doesn't matter. Um we look so, at we look at certain numbers, right? Like your average list price is kind mm-hmm. of what we're talking about. Yeah. Ann Arbor is man, just a little jealousy over here, that's all. You have that's, an amazing market and amazing I, price points and It's true. Yeah, it yeah, is. It's very true. It's very true. Uh, it's just the truth. 
Yeah. So if you have any Ann Arbor listings, please send them my way. If you have Detroit listings, send them Jeremy's way. I do just more than Detroit. He does. That's yeah. true. But he doesn't do Ann Arbor. He won't touch it. He refuses. I refuse to do Ann Arbor? I don't know yeah, about I'm, that. I'm, you can I'm, give Garrett a call, though. You can. Yep. 734-274-9521. And? You can leave a voicemail as well. Do you I, actually listen to him? No. I get tra- <laughs> they get transcribed, though? They get transcribed. And yeah. it, so I, <laughs> I actually hate when people call me and don't leave a voicemail if they don't follow it up with a text. I would, I would really want a voicemail. Or a text. I'm, I know I'm a rare breed on that. That end. is rare. Mm-hmm. I do listen to all my voicemails, unfortunately, because you never know uh, which ones you're getting called on your listings. But I remember the good old days when I didn't have to. Uh, I used to yeah. have the Google Trans or Google Transcribe. Voice. Yeah, but their, their transcription is terrible. It's it's not great, but you generally get an idea of what it's about. I do, and it still makes me listen to it half the time, though. See, for me, it's normally enough for me to go, I need to call this person back, and then I just have that conversation. I do that a lot, too. Did you listen to voicemail? No. What do you need? Yeah. Or text me. I do Mm -hmm. love text. Text is is also great. Yeah. If it's short, no more of those fucking email text people. You know who you are. (laughs) Jesus. It shouldn't have more than a paragraph. It shouldn't even be a paragraph. It should be like two sentences, maybe. If you make me get on my computer to text you back... I'm okay with that. <laughs> Anyways. These are people like, well, I don't have these problems. Become mm-hmm. an agent. You'd be surprised yeah. what dumbass agents do mm-hmm. out there in the industry. So now that we're way off in yeah. the deep water, let's talk about the second time you quit. Yeah. It's impressive that after the first time you quit, you went back and got a job a year later. That mm-hmm. In a two weeks, you were able to convince your wife to quit again. Yeah. Was there any negotiating around that? Just kind of keeping that that same theme. Um, there. I don't know if there was. I, I guess probably negotiation. Um, I, I think. I think my tactic for negotiation was like I put the timeline out far. I was like, hey, like this is gonna, you know, be like a large part of my salary for the year anyway. Like, let's just, you know that's going to be really cool. And then like, as I got, you know, I kind of just shrunk that timeline down. And so in a two week span, right. I took it down. I think. Do you have any savings or like uh, smidge credit cards, like a little wiggle room, family willing to help, or we just like burn that bridge. Uh, It was more burn that bridge. It was like, there was, so there, when I quit, there was enough to like get us through to closing where I was going to get this like huge shot in the arm and, you know, then like figure it out from there. Um, and then by the time that closing came and that shot in the arm came, it was more like getting punched in the arm (laughs) and I was like, Oh, okay. Right. Um, I trying to think here. I would say more than negotiation probably came afterwards. And that's so like one of the things was like when I started as like, Hey, I'm only going to be an investor. Like I'm not going to do any of the retail stuff. And when that happened, it kind of was like, I need to rethink that. And I did. I'm glad you did. I think there's some retail fits for certain kinds of investors as you've kind of found out too, right? Nice having that little extra money. It is. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's nice to have that money. You're, you know, especially in the fix and flip business, like 
you're ideally all of your money is out or, you know, earmarked to be spent. A good chunk of it anyway, yeah. right? And therefore you need something to do in the meantime. And it's nice to have those checks coming in. And especially like when you look in like, right. So in Ann Arbor, especially is like, it's hard to buy a house under 200 to 50 in Ann Arbor. Like you just can't. And it's up from there. So like when you do a retail deal, it's, there's generally, you know, high four figures, five figures attached to it. It's worth your time. That's sometimes that's like a flip gone wrong, you know, or like, I, I think like two are like wholesaling, like, Hey, like I oh, think wholesaling a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Like wholesaling is like, Hey, there's, there's 10 grand on this contract. And I go, well, yeah, I could just do a retail deal here in Ann Arbor and do that. And there's, Frankly, those are easier easier for me to come by, I guess. Than- Way easier to find a buyer and start showing properties than mm-hmm. it is to find a wholesale deal. Absolutely. Right? Way easier. Mm-hmm. And more help, too. Like, pretty much anywhere you go, unless you go to some piece of shit place, somebody mm-hmm. will help you do that at the brokerage you're oh, at. Oh, yeah. yeah like, absolutely. You have people who, want, who get pieces of that check who are very interested in mm-hmm. making sure that you're able to do that, so... Kind of yeah. like a, there's just more assistance in that there paper, is. more resources, it, more leverage. There's more, yeah, more there's systems, more people, more there, people. Yeah, I mean that pool is so much larger. So, um, yeah. So I, I, the that was probably one of the probably the biggest thing was like, hey, like you need to start doing retail because when I started, that was in my mind, I was never gonna do it, and. I've gone 180 on it. It's so funny. I was never going to do it too. You, mm-hmm. you know, all the shit I talk, people actually let me get away with this. Cause I still talk shit about agents, mm-hmm. but I was never going to be a fucking agent, Garrett. So you yeah. had to go back and eat some humble pie too. I right? did a little yeah. reverse negotiation. Like how far into the getting your dick kicked in on Celine before <laughs> you had to start negotiating <laughs> this. Right. So you remember that 70,000, it's 40,000, it's actually 12,500, and I guess I got to start picking up dog poop again and do it. Yeah, yeah, so there's that. <laughs> um, the other, so the other thing that we did was, you know, we we still do, is we rent, rented out our house on Airbnb. Really? Yes. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. So, so there's that, more creativity, right? Yeah, we, we hustle, so. Fucking amen. Ter- so like, right now, so like, so that, like, frankly, like enabled us to have Tara quit her job to have um, me stay quit. I would have quit another job anyway. I would have quit. <laughs> I, I didn't have to quit three jobs anyway. Uh, yeah, right. And then um, I'm trying to think what else. So Tara now works as a travel agent, like from home. So um, if you want to go somewhere, let us know. That's uh, cool. How do you get a hold of her? Let's get her. Um, maybe we get her a little business. Her, you know how? I, I, I do know. I don't know if she wants her phone number out or not. Well, don't do so, that. I don't want to get you in trouble. Yeah. Um, I want to get you business, not trouble. <laughs> yeah. Just just reach out to me and I'll I'll send your – I'll either ignore your email if it's not a good fit or I'll send you – send her to you. So um, so a little Airbnb. Airbnb. Um, and then did that. Text broker. Um, another thing that – we did is when so when tara's car broke down like died we sold it and since i was kind of working remotely we actually didn't buy a second car 
so, car share. Very yeah. familiar with that. Mm-hmm. So we've been doing that for about four years. That saves you a shit ton of money, it, it too, does. by the way. Between it, the insurance, the gas, even beyond the payment, mm-hmm. the maintenance. like Yeah. Uh, tires. I just bought new tires. Yep. Um, it's and, inconvenient, but if you can manage a calendar... Mm-hmm. If you're on a shoestring budget, it's, it is something to consider. What do you really need for your dream? You know? Yeah. Well, and the other thing too is like when you look at that math, right? So like if you throw a three hundred dollar car payment, um, hundred bucks for insurance, another hundred bucks for gas, um, you know, hundred hundred fifty dollars for maintenance. Like, there's your Uber budget. Yep. Like so, actually, I have a goal, and that is to not own any cars. I want to be driven, driven. That'd be awesome. That's been something I want to drive her forever. And I'm like, or the other, or have a self-driving car that I would buy. So when I blew out my back last year for Mm -hmm. six months, I couldn't drive. This was like, I had two feelings at all the time. So first of all, I have a lot of insecurity about being fucking useless and being Mm -hmm. driven around everywhere. So having to be so reliant on my wife, thank you, Gina, and all my friends, Eric, everybody else who drove me, like there was a ton, Todd, who just over six months really helped me keep my business going. Yeah. And I felt very so. self-conscious and I hated asking and I felt very uh, weak and dependent, mm-hmm. right? But on the other side, I was like, this is where it's at. You need a fucking driver. I got oh, yeah. way so much more work done sitting in that passenger seat. I see why these rich people now, when they get up to a certain point – they just, they're not driving anymore. Like no. the opportunity cost of spending, how many hours do I drive a day? Three to five mm-hmm. from appointments and whatnot. The opportunity yeah. cost for me being around. So, I mean, I get that completely. That's like. Yeah, I'll be in the car for t- probably three hours today. Yeah. And it's just like. A normal day. A normal day. And I wish I could like. Get those three hours back with the driver. Right. Exactly. So. Would you do like Uber? Just hire an Uber driver driver? Or would you get like uh <laughs> <laughs> like Lincoln, or was that lawyer movie with Matthew McConaughey, where, he's, where his office is the Lincoln driving, and you just have a driver all the time driving you around from appointment to appointment. <laughs> uh, so I'll, I'll probably Uber just because it's built in and there. Um, I, I think that's until I'm like making stupid money. But it, it comes down to I still don't want to own the car. I because it's even like even if I'm making like a hundred million dollars. Right. Like if I'm worth that much, like obviously you can buy a car. Like I think there's something cool about like, no, I don't own a car. Like, you don't understand. Like I'll, I'll rent a car. I'll Uber, I'll, you know, I'll charter a plane. Like it seems when you look at the math, I can't justify it. So why would I do it? I just want somebody to drive me around so I can work more. It was yeah. Well, that, there's that too. Yeah. yeah. I just, um, and not driving like, my wife likes driving, which I've always loved. I've never mm-hmm. been one of those. The guy has to drive all the time, but mm-hmm. to actually be driven around for work for six months. Sure. I was miserable, but yeah, it was, it was nice. Yeah. Yeah. You get shit done more done. You do. Yeah. Maybe we share a driver. Get that, get that. We fuck should you do money. That. We could yeah. share a driver. I think we should. Let's, we that would that. be, I only work on Thursdays and Fridays when my driver's available. <laughs> <Just> drive around. <laughs> <or. laughs> I only, I only work in places where I can bike too. Um. <laughs> where are you at? All right. It's going to take me 25 minutes on my 10 speed. Yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, but it's been good. So it was got off topic again. That's all right. So you had to do a lot of negotiating we did. after the fact. So, we did okay. a lot. So, so I think that happens a lot. 
It does. Yeah. So basically I presented this ideal situation and I presented enough evidence to say, let's do this. And here are the reasons why, um, we had generally for many years had agreed on being an entrepreneurial family and going that route. So getting her to let me quit wasn't hard. But on the other staying hand, quit was staying harder. quit is yeah. hard in there. And that's when it's like, Hey, like, and, and there's a lot of hard conversations around, like, how are we paying for this? And it's like, well, this time we're going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then she does stuff and it's, yeah. So it, that's, it, I think we have a strong willingness to figure it out and we're intelligent enough to, actually figure it out. Well, I like that you negotiate afterwards. I think a lot of people feel like they get stuck and their only option is just to, they think like, well, I can only do this or I have to go back. Mm-hmm. I like that in between where, well, what are you going to do in that gap period? Just give up on it no. or get some shit done. Do mm-hmm. some Uber, do some Airbnb, do some writing, like make some, make something happen. Yeah. I think Gene and I, we, we, we collected bottles out of houses. We sold shit on eBay. Mm-hmm. Like we had to do, I created like a discover Detroit dumbass training program that tied into my wholesale, like to try and increase my, my per cost sales with someone to get paid for shit. I was already like, we had to do all sorts of crazy shit yeah. to try and like plug hole here, plug hole there. A lot of it, not really real estate related, you know, just mm-hmm. doing work. Yeah, because there, so there are, there are things we're really fortunate, especially now. There are there are things that you can do that you're basically guaranteed to make money without having to like apply for something. You can just do it today. So like, um, you know, like buying stuff on clearance and then selling it on eBay or you know like Uber, right? Like it's yeah, Uber, Airbnb. If you own a car or a house, yeah. like those are two like. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be a lot, just like a little sunshine. It, yeah, I don't it, want people quitting on their dream when it gets hard. You know, sometimes yeah. you got to sweat a little bit more. Mm-hmm. As you said, I like the runway, right? Yeah. And lengthen the runway so you yeah. don't crash at the fucking end. Like mm-hmm. that's a good way to think about it. I like that. Yeah, and that's um. But yeah, you got to figure it out. But quit well, your I'm job. gonna I'm gonna pivot. Yeah. What made you want to get? a partner. That's something I did too in the beginning, but I always like to ask people with partners. Mm-hmm. Could have done it on your own. Yep. Made the decision not to. Yeah. A lot of people do. Are you, are you asking about Tara or Reed? <laughs> <laughs> I figure Tara is in it for the long haul and that's like the uh, uh, not so silent partner in every single deal. Oh yeah, no, I was I, talking about the the other yep. partner, the the Reed Starkey partner. But we doesn't have yeah. to be anyone. Just the idea yeah. of a partner, right? Like you decided you wanted a partner exactly. to do this business. So, um, dirty house buyers. So there's Reed, and then there's actually. So I also have um, who's my brother-in-law, a partner in Virginia as well. So we're getting ready to actually start doing some flips down there. So really excited about that. So the reason I wanted a partner is Reed had been flipping already and I had met him at a different meetup and basically 
it was a way for me to get access to expertise and experience without having to do it myself. And I also really enjoy kind of the accountability of it. Uh, it's really easy to be like, Hey, I'm doing this thing for myself and, mm, you know, I'm going to play this game on my phone or, you know, whatever shit distracts you. Right. Well, when you have a weekly call with somebody that's mm. like, Hey, you said a little you bit of accountability. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, do I want to have this call and say, well, I didn't do any of the stuff that I said I would do, or, you know, I only did like 10% of it. And the reason I didn't is because I was just busy goofing off and doing shit. That would be um, embarrassing. Mm -hmm. I also think that, uh, the, like having somebody to like bounce ideas off of is really powerful. So, you know, we've, I can't think of really any like specific examples, but regularly like somebody will say something and it might even be stupid, but it spurns something else that's actually good. And you don't get that as an individual. It's expensive, right? So if dirty house buyers, you know, when we're flipping 20 houses a month, like there's three of us. So that net effect to me is, well, now I'm essentially flipping six and seven, 6.75 houses roughly a month, right? Like there's, so there's a cost to that. Um, I see it as worth it. Cause I think I'll, I think that sum will be larger than myself individually, but I also do individual stuff as well. How do you manage the, I've had two failed partnerships. Mm -hmm. How do you manage your, your partnership? Don't get yourself into trouble because I know Reed's yeah, out there, but I'm just um, talking like in general. I had God. very negative experiences, but then there's like Jesse Boyd, Ron Walton. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, there's power teams too, right? Yeah, like, so absolutely. I think there's a good argument on both sides for this. I'm just really trying to pick your brain more for your side of it. Give people another side of that, of that story. Mm -hmm. Pros, so, cons. Yeah. So I, I think we are lucky um, in that – we're generally driven towards kind of this doing business in the same way and also having very similar um, ideals on how things go. So we're very candid and open. We're very secure. Like when some, like we'll call each other out, but it's, it's always like, we've all, we all agree regularly, consistently like, Hey, like this is just business. Like we need to get this done. It's, you know, we don't care. Like, Hey, this is your fault or this is my fault. Like it doesn't really matter. Right. It's like, we're really good at that. Um, what was, I'm trying to shoot. I just lost train of thought. No, just pros and cons on the partnership. Yeah. Right? Um, it's, I think it's a lot of it comes down to, an alignment of, I guess, like ethics and morality, honestly. And the closer those things are aligned, I think the easier it is for a partnership to be safe and, um, effective. So, so you went more for like a, a values based approach to a partner. We have similar values. So no matter what happens, 
we're we're pretty much always on the same page anyway versus not necessarily pros and cons and strengths and weaknesses, not that you guys have, but you started mm-hmm. with values before you considered additional things. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so Was Reed just hot? He just looks good. Yeah, I mean, I don't – he's <laughs> – Oh, I'm so distracted right now. I have this picture of him on my phone where uh, <laughs> I'll show you. Um, <laughs> so hot. Uh, no, I. So when I when I I guess like when I because in all honesty, I, I kind of pursued Reed and all of this because when I started, when I met him, I hadn't done anything, and um, he helped me with my first deal, with, which I also did with Ron while Raven. So. Um, but I think you meant Ron the Don. Ron the Don, yes. yes. Excuse me. There you um, go. Don't don't want to brag on those numbers, but I think we did split up one thousand dollars three ways. Anyways, not bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just like just you know, that's the money you fill a swimming pool full of pennies, and it's mostly paid your property taxes for a month, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, about. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Almost. Yeah, that's less than ideal. I've had a I've had a few of those. You're like, man, at least it's something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it was good. I I, I, I like that it's a joke, right? Because I got paid to learn. And and frankly, like it was a lot better than paying for a course or some shit like that. Absolutely. Um That's actually my favorite way of doing it. I don't know why more people don't do it that way. Kind of like the apprentice, the master apprentice model, right? Yeah. You're giving something of value to, you know, the person who knows, mm-hmm. and you're doing the legwork. So it, like, it goes, it does. You're getting more than money, right? Yeah. Which I think is pretty important. Yeah. And I, I think that's, um, yeah, it, it really is a really great way to do it. And basically, what happened is I found a deal and they helped make it happen. So, and that's, really great for if you're starting that's the way you do it find a deal and everything else will come into play so um we were saying though um what were we you were pursuing oh yeah i was pursuing reed and the reason i was going pursuing him was because he was experienced in flipping and i wanted help with that i wanted to get started and i basically just kept saying like hey let's do a deal together hey let's do a deal together and like you know struck it off and like through talking i think like now like when i look at it going back to that like yeah there's a lot of business moral and ethical like alignment there um and with varun too um i don't want to exclude him but he came in later but we got lucky there and i've seen it where there hasn't been that and that's where I think things fall apart. So ultimately I think you need to find somebody that's not the same and fills different points of expertise. So like he's really got the, you know, that project management piece down and like, I'm getting better at that, but like there's a lot of experience that we, that to this day, we still definitely draw on, um, from him. And then, yeah, yes. Yeah. I didn't do that. I went, I did not consider values when I went with my two partners. I just look at what they had done Mm -hmm. and I just assumed we were able to do more together, which is not a smart way of approaching it. I liked it. It's kind of like values. Then what do they offer? Mm -hmm. 
that does, I think, make sense. I think that's why a lot of people actually that are power teams make sense. That's good advice. So partners, make sure your values line up first. Yeah. Then start looking at some mm-hmm. additional things. Yeah. I would say too, could you do it alone anyway? Or I would throw in another option. I'm a huge fan of the master apprentice. If you're like me mm-hmm. and you would rather do than just talk and read. Yeah. Then I consider half or less even of more mm-hmm. better than a hundred percent of nothing. Yeah. Especially when I learn, right? That's uh you get paid to learn and be valuable to somebody else. I know it's not, not necessarily a long-term partnership mm-hmm. that way, but that's another way of thinking about it as well. Absolutely. And, an- and another, like, really, I think, benefit is Reed and Varun's network is now my network. That's true. And my my business success has been almost entirely driven by my network. And there's... To me, it's like I I've tried generating business like with like Zillow ads, for example. Like yeah, I did that, that for six months. Work. Yeah, I I had one deal from it, so I had dollar positive ROI. Uh, they almost got sued, and it, it was a client that I was very glad that when we closed, we did, and that's good yeah. luck. Yeah. I wish you the best. Yeah, I just like uh you know, so I I've made a lot more money from my network. So that's another benefit of partners is that network growth. I had not considered that also the additional network. I, it's funny I consider that in my current network. That's one of the things I I think adds so much value to me to mm-hmm. doing the RDI, even though I don't necessarily get paid directly to do RDI is I can make a phone call to dozens of people who know way more than me mm-hmm. when I am stuck. Yeah. And I didn't consider that as actually part of the partner value. I consider it part of my greater network value, but that's a good way of thinking about it too. You're also gaining their entire network. Yeah. Right? And it's, which actually makes a better case for your values proposition up front. Absolutely. Because if you pick them better there, mm-hmm. now you have a whole network with similar values as well. See, I'm glad I asked that question. I know Absolutely. we're meandering a lot. Today, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's, you know, like, and the thing that I got lucky with too is like, we didn't start Dirty House Buyers as a company right away. Like we, so my first deal I did with him was just a JV basically. Um and it's joint venture for those not initiated. Oh, yep. Yeah. So that's right. That's my job. I'll try and, and keep then, everybody on the same page. And then I hired him for my Celine flip. And, um, so it was probably, probably like a year and a half before we actually like formalized anything. And looking back at it, like you, we really enjoyed phone conversations kind of thought about stuff a lot of the same way, definitely presented ideas to each other. And, you know, just, it, it was just a very good natural fit. So trial period too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I think that's huge. Um, do you guys meet regularly or do you just do most do. of it by phone or? Oh, mostly. So we do two calls a week. 
Um, oh, I like it. See, you're scheduled. It's two calls a week. Yep. So we have, uh, and I really like this setup, so I want to share it. So Wednesdays is like our, we're go, we go over every property, like here's where we're at, here are the things we need, can you do X, Y, and Z for me, blah, 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 blah. And then Thursdays, we do uh, a deep dive on a topic or a specific problem and try to solve a, like basically work on the business versus working in the business. Um, and that's been really good as well. Or if there's like a major issue, we'll dedicate that one to two hours to that. How do you guys, do you have a formal conflict uh, avoidance or resolution process when you're... I see a lot yeah. of partnerships break up too because mm -hmm. they can't resolve differences. I think you could solve a lot of that on the values play up front, right? But yeah. there's going to be conflict mm -hmm. at some point, right? Yeah, you just mute, mute your phone and cry. I'm <laughs> <laughs> not supposed to tell people these things, yeah. Garrett. I was just kidding. And, and then Varun's eventually like, Garrett, are you crying again? And, no, I'm not. And then, you know, we talk it through. Um, <laughs> That's roughly no. We're although that does help every now and then, you know. We so we don't have like a formalized, like written out plan for it, but we're we regularly talk about you know the fact that we're working towards the same things. We're not you know like hey, this isn't meant to be offensive. This is just you know like this is how I'm seeing it, and I think we're all very committed to that. Like no, they don't mean that. Like there's no. We, we've definitely had disagreements, but like we're all very, I guess, like our, it's not avoidance. We're just very committed to separating the issue from a personal indictment on somebody, even if it is like, hey, like Reed really fucked up or Garrett really fucked up or it's probably Reed. Um, <laughs> or, you know, like Varun is, you know, like, you know, what did he do? Like, oh, again. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's, it, it, I, I, so there's never been a point where it's been screaming or anything like that. And I think that's just, uh, I don't know. If, I don't know if we're lucky or we're just that aligned on stuff that it just, that's good. Like I, even if like dirty house buyers were to stop and like we were to never flip again, like I believe that I would talk to those guys just as often as I do now. Well, that's a good segue. Let's talk about Dirty House Club Buyers or Dirty House yes. Buyers Club. Well, so – Fuck. Yeah. Hold on. It's Dirty House Buyers. Dirty – I got it right the first time. Dirty yeah. House Buyers. So Dirty House it Buyers. It used to be called Dirty House Club, which is where your confusion is. That's where I am. Yeah. So Dirty so House Buyers yep. is a real estate networking meeting mm -hmm. near and dear to my heart. I don't make it out as often as I would like, but I love this. But you guys at some point decided to start your own meetup, your own real estate networking group, yep. right? Let's talk about it. Let's go back. Let's go. So let's, yeah. let's go back. Right. But the, so okay. this is very, I love this idea because it's unorthodox. It adds value. Mm -hmm. You're taking control of yep. your networking. You're providing opportunities for others. So there's all sorts of reasons why I love this. And you mm -hmm. know why I did it with RDI. But you got it's like a pain in the ass too. Like it's actually a fair amount of it is work if you've never done one mm -hmm. before. And it can also be like a um I don't know, labor of love would be a nice way of saying it. Like uh 
you got to put a lot of work into it before anything good really happens. Mm-hmm. But what I love about it is you guys start it and you're still doing it. And I love mm-hmm. the name, Dirty House Buyers. Yeah. Right? Just put it right out there. Yeah. Whatever. I'll, t- I'll buy your shit house. Yep, exactly. Cough it up. That's what yeah, I'm looking yeah. for. There's gold in there. There right? is. Absolutely. So let's talk about that. Let's start at the beginning. How did you guys decide to start Dirty House Buyers? So th- um, there is a so there's another meetup in Ann Arbor who used to be run by um, some individuals that uh, I did not jive with. Um, part of the issue was it's a very it, so it was very good. So I learned a lot from it. So I want to be careful here. I learned a lot, but it's very like beginner. Uh, educational talk up front based, which is awesome when you're like, what the hell is wholesaling? Well, now I know. Cool. Okay. What, you know, what, how, what is the idea of running comps on a flip? Okay. Now I get it right. And like, that's all good. And yeah, there's like the finer arts to those things that you can get better at. But at some point, like I know what a wholesale deal is. You don't need to tell me what, how to walk through it. So, um, there was, I guess like that meeting kind of, as time went on, frustrated me. And part of me was like, I really want to start a new meetup in Ann Arbor, not as so much competition for it, but more just a, what did I want in a meetup? And what I wanted was networking. And I wanted like people to actually doing stuff to be there. And I wanted to hang out and talk real estate. So, that's what we did. It was um, really embarrassing at first because you're sitting there at the bar with six other people like, hey, come to my meetup. It's really I'm cool. very familiar with that. Right? Yeah. And it's just like... Beginnings of these things are always just so like teeny, oh, tiny, small. It's, it's true. And you're like, uh, you know, and there's this point where you're like sitting there like, God, you know, I got to stay here till 830. Um the beer helped. Uh, <laughs> um, Pizza was good there too. Where you it guys were, I haven't been to the new place, so I'm gonna try yeah. to make it to the new one. So yeah, then we about a year and a half into it. Yeah, so I guess so. Backing up, so we saw the value in meetups. We saw, frankly, what you were doing, and saw what others were gaining from these meetups. And it's like, hey, like I was frustrated with the other one. And I was like, you know what, like there's this is like perfect like i know i'm not the only one that feels this way i'm gonna do it and so um you guys didn't have like you just had the one other meetup in ann arbor too so you're mm-hmm. kind of it'd be like having one burger joint in town ann arbor's like not huge it's not metro detroit but it's not small by any stretch of the imagination there's so there was oh. one other real estate meetup there at the there, time right i think yeah. there's two now like two other like i don't know so you're kind of filling. I think so. Maybe I might follow them a little bit more close. I don't know how big they are. Maybe. I could be getting it wrong. It might be. There's, a, but there was a gap to be. Yeah, there was here definitely too. a gap. So there was basically there was one, and it was beginner education based, which is great when you're a beginner. Sales from the front too, I imagine. Guru shit or yeah, no. yeah. they like sold mentoring and um and all that stuff and it's just like and you know like i i paid them some money like not a whole lot but and i learned like i like i really like in a lot of ways got my start and help from them but i didn't want to listen to people anymore just sit there and talk 
Um, so started the networking one and we just like, we're like, it's just networking, just come hang out, talk real estate, so on and so forth. And it was really good. Grew it to 30 ish, um, a month. And then we decided to change it where kind of to borrow the RDI format a bit, um, with, you know, like coming up, introduce yourself and come up and, um, you know, if you have a deal, pitch it. So one of the things that I started experiencing was frankly, like there were people that I would get stuck talking to that I didn't want to. And it was like, uh, I could have known this ahead of time. <laughs> um, and then the other thing too was like, Hey, I've got this platform, like people are coming, but, I'm also not talking to everybody here, even if it's informally with like you just listening to me talk. So I was like, okay, we need to change this. I need something to like put out there on Facebook and, you know, market besides just come hang out and drink beer and stuff like that. So, um, right now we are at, um, the Sweetwaters Cafe on Plymouth Road, which is the Northeast side of Ann Arbor. So it's nice and close. Um, Meetup.com forward slash dirty house buyers. You're in and around or anywhere near Ann Arbor and you want to mm-hmm. go to a meetup. You don't have to drive the 45 minutes to an hour and a half, depending on where you're going to go somewhere in yep. Detroit, right? You, you still can, but at least you have one closer to home or closer to where you live or closer to the market that you're interested in too. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause there's, um, I think you guys should attend as many of mm-hmm. these things, if for nothing else, to find out what you don't like, right? Like, don't prejudge. I say go to all of them. When I first moved to Metro Detroit, my yeah. wife, 2007, we went and signed up with year-long memberships with every group in existence. At the time, it was only seven. There wasn't as many then as yeah. there are now, which I'm actually so happy there are now. that We have much better groups than we had back then time is like we're so lucky in this area but it's good to go to all of them so it check it out especially if it's close to you mm-hmm. remember that shit talking about the network go, yeah. go build your network go meet some people it's kind of like cheers for real estate investing if you're interested <laughs> in that you're sitting home at loan even your spouse is tired of you fucking talking about houses yeah if, you, if you're working somewhere or they're certainly done and don't mm-hmm. want to hear you talking about how that's actually one of the reasons why Gene and I moved from Pullman, Washington to Detroit, Michigan. It was a college town and wheat farmers, nobody to talk real estate with. Yeah. You can go to dirty house buyers or any other meeting, wherever you're at, go to meet up and look, start yeah. talking to some people Absolutely. doing what you want to do. Yeah. And the, and the other really cool thing about meetup.com is like, it's not just real estate. Like there is all sorts of different stuff. So, um, I've used that for other avenues as well. So, um, yeah. And I think the other thing too, that kind of drove us to make it is like, so, you know, there's, you know, like your meeting, Tom's meeting, like really liked those ones, but you're far away. And, yeah. and, and like, that is a barrier to entry too. It is distance. You got a busy life, a kid bet deals. Like, yeah. Like you, you can't, you know, like, so it was kind of like one of these things where like I, I saw something that I liked, but it was far away and I wanted it. So um, the other, so I guess that's kind of where we started. So now our speaking microphone section is probably like 20 minutes maybe or so. And then the rest of it's still networking. So you got three hours and two and a half of it is networking. Just 
And yeah, that's good. And the, I will say the other Ann Arbor group has, uh, come a long way i think there's a change in leadership there which i think was really good for them and so i would definitely not discourage people from going no, there i think oh, yeah go, go to go every to, meeting yeah, at absolutely. least once mm-hmm. and i would say most meetings two or three times because you might catch a bad meeting or let's be honest about yourself like if you come to rdi one of the I don't know if I want to say it's a criticism. I guess it's a criticism is how intimidating the room is to somebody who's new. Right. Yeah. Yep. So the first time you come, you might be experiencing something that actually has nothing to do. Mm-hmm. You might very well be in the room you really should be in, but you're feeling uncomfortable for other reasons. So I give every meeting a couple Absolutely. chances, but then if they suck, yeah, go to your favorite ones. How are you going to figure <laughs> out which one is your favorite one that's, that's until you go yeah. yeah absolutely so that's um yeah so i love it it's been really good and it's you know it, we're we're growing which is nice and i, I think it, it it's interesting that I, I feel like some people view me as like more of an expert than i feel that i am and i mean that's it's it's a weird feeling but it's a good thing you know it's like, yeah, I know what I'm doing, but are there flippers that do a lot better job than me? Absolutely. Yeah, but they didn't start a meetup. They didn't. No, that's true. That's exactly. You know what? There are probably 10,000 people out there better than me. Mm-hmm. Didn't start a fucking meetup. No, you didn't. You know? Yeah. No, you got to you gotta do it. And that's uh, it. And this is... Uh, this, it, this is something I like to press home, right? I know for a fact I outperform people who are way overqualified considering to me, right? Like mm-hmm. attitude and taking action has a lot to do with success at all. So if you're thinking about like, well, that meetup group is so much better or bigger or whatever, mm-hmm. man, motherfucker started. You probably weren't around when they were digging through the shit, not getting anywhere yeah. either. You know, mm-hmm. like, uh, I don't know. Take a risk. Absolutely. Go to one. Yeah. Think about starting one. Yeah, you should. Um, you should definitely start one and go to them because they're awesome. So, well, what have been the pros and cons? Uh, I have a pretty good idea, right? But what are the pros for your business, right? Because, yeah, you were scratching an itch, which I mm-hmm. was too. Yep. But it was probably more than one itch, right? Like, it's not good enough just to scratch an itch, but if it's also beneficial or lines up with multiple other goals. Mm -hmm. I don't see how you can't not scratch that itch. Right. That's how I felt about it. Like, okay, there's a lot of things I want to do, but this Mm -hmm. is directly in line with many of my goals as well. And I really feel a burning desire to go do it too. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you guys did, but yeah, there's pros and cons to it as well. Right. Uh, There are. So the, so the pros are, there's a marketing angle. Um, there's, uh, just getting out there and just frankly becoming more confident in yourself and your business. Uh, the cons, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if there are any real like hard cons, like sure. Like it's a commitment. Like I know I'm going to be out one evening a month, like guaranteed. And, you know, I got to work my life around it, but it's 12 times a year. So at the same time, like, like I know when it's going to be, it's, you know, second Wednesday of every month. So, okay. You know, I can work around that. Um, I think the only other con is, or 
I would think what some people would associate as a con, because I don't know that I really do, is people call me and say, like, just, like, asking for help. And I'm actually good with that. Like, it's actually usually an opportunity, I think. It is. And, and, and Don't get me wrong, you do get a few ass clowns every now calling, but I would much rather someone call than not call, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and, like, um, I just had a call with somebody, like, a week or so ago, and I happened to be driving, like, a longer drive, so, like, I spent a half hour on the phone with this guy, and, like... He barely knew the difference between wholesaling and flipping. And he's like asking me these questions and like, you know, I'm just talking to him and, you know, like who knows where that's going to go. And it might not happen today or this year, but like five years for networking again as Mm -hmm. value. Yeah. Yeah. And like, or maybe he recommends somebody to me or, you know, I, I don't know. So like. If you don't like to talk to people, I guess that would be a con. <laughs> yeah, that's a huge. Yeah, you're in the. Don't start a meetup if you don't. Yeah, to. no, that's that's absolutely true. Because yeah. you're you're going you're going to get stuff that's if you don't have the foresight and the intelligence to realize that this is a long game. Like that feels like a waste of time. I feel like I have that argument almost every day when I talk to people. I don't know if it's our culture or if it's just being human. Mm-hmm. I imagine it's human more than culture. Maybe it's the times too, where you get everything yeah. immediately. All the good shit takes a long time. It does. That's just, I don't know another way to say it. Anything that you actually really want and will be truly mm-hmm. satisfied and achieving or accomplishing or anything doesn't happen in one month or one year or sometimes even 10 years. That is just not how it works so yeah it's not and that's um that is what this is about because we've been doing it for just over two years now and you know now it's at a point where like yeah we're i think right now like our highest is probably like low 40s in attendance which feels really good i know you've done like 150 or some crazy shit like that it took me let me tell you you guys are doing so much better than i did when i started it took gina and i how many times? I think four years to get more than 40 people in a room. And then it took like another three or four years to get more than 50 people. And like I had a few where I hit like 55, like one offs uh-huh. where people like, but like consistently, mm-hmm. like you guys are doing pretty, you guys are doing pretty well. It's, it, I made some mistakes too. When I say, tell people don't get romantic about their ideas. I was very romantic about how I wanted it to be, even yeah. though it wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And that quitting thing I was telling you about earlier, I'm so loath to do it that I've kind of had to teach myself to quit. So I, I shot myself in the foot too on a lot of it. But yeah, you guys are doing really well. If you got 40 people showing up regularly, that's, that's a good number. You can do a lot with that number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, I, I think, I mean, I, we were fortunate for a few things compared to you. One is like, there are more meetups for us to like, look at and model ourselves. And basically like it, it's been easy for us. Cause it's like, I, I went from, I, I looked at, basically I looked at three meetups. I said, I don't want to be that. I really like this one. So I'm going to do that. And then, um, so started off basically modeling Tom. So I'm like, Oh, this is great. And then I looked at yours. I was like, I like it for the most part. I changed a little bit of it, but like a very minor change. I'm still making changes too, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Which is awesome. So I, and I would, I was Unfortunately, gonna... you can't leave anything the same. I think people think you could just do one thing forever. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, you get it. People, 
at least if you get if you stick around long enough, you like you notice what works and what doesn't, mm-hmm. and you can't be afraid to try new things when something isn't working. You yeah, know? and we yeah, so like we were fortunate that we got got to watch a lot of it and experience it and kind of take like, hey, we really like this, we really don't like this, and so it was very. It's been easy for us. Like I'm not to to our horn. It's just been we've seen what works and we just did it. Yeah, it's a smarter way to do it. That's not how Gina and I did it. We just went and did it. That's mm-hmm. like the story of my life. <laughs> now I do a lot. Like I'm much more to go with the apprenticeship model or like sit back and look at it. But early mm-hmm. Jeremy yeah. wasn't much for waiting around about anything. So yeah, don't do that. It's no, way don't better. Do that. Yeah, pay attention to evidence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I, I think I thought about it for about a year before I actually pulled the trigger on it. Like I talked about it. It's like I want to do it. But in that year, like I went to so many meetups that it kind of like. By the time I was like, I'm going to do it, it was it was really it was formulated for me. Yeah, it had a lot of good and bad examples. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, definitely go to them because it's networking is. Yeah. Have you got get any wholesale deals? Get any flips? Get any private money? Get you mm-hmm. know help anybody out? New relationships and new wholesalers? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I just we just had somebody reach out um, saying they wanted to you know, loan us some money and it was guy I went to high school with. He's like, Hey, I've been watching you. Want to, want to chip in? I was like, okay, sweet. Here's why you said earlier that you, when you start a group that you get like a little prestige or things that you don't think are necessarily true. Like people think you're a better investor or anything. Here's Mm -hmm. why I think that's true. But people are kind of, it's a commitment. If you're going to do a meeting every month for a couple of years, I think people are attracted to commitment, especially the kind of people who are timid or like just getting started mm-hmm. or maybe have done it before and failed yeah. and know they need a partner or whatever. I find the commitment – like when somebody makes that kind of commitment, I know I'm dealing with a different person. Maybe not the best person, yeah, but I'm dealing with a committed person, which I personally like. Like right, wrong. Mm-hmm. Committed is all I want to be with, right? Like, okay, we're ride or die. Something's yeah. going to, this is going to go somewhere, right? Like, okay, that's, I think that's where people get attracted to that is it's not that much work, but it's not like it's not work. It takes mm-hmm. time to put it on and it then do it over time. Yep. And then improve over time is a commitment. Yeah. And to sit there when there are only like five, six people and then say, hey, I'll see you next month. And like, that's, I mean, it, it was embarrassing. Like that's like I felt embarrassed is like the best way to put it. That's usually but, how you know you're doing it right to a certain degree, <laughs> yeah. right? Usually, yeah. And that's but that's a really good point. Like you're when somebody does something publicly like that, you're generally let it speak, all hang out there, man. But yeah, you let it go and the the bigger that commitment is, you know, I'm not the smartest or best at this, but shit, I'm in it and you know it. And I'm going to be here a year from now and two years from now and so on and so forth. So well, I think the fact of the matter is there's always somebody better to do a job. Mm-hmm. Motherfuckers didn't do it. Yep. So I'm only interested in the people doing it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Who's showing up to work? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. You could tell me all about these imaginary people not showing up and how great they are. I'll agree with you up front, but what can I do besides the people in front of me doing the work? Right. Yep. I think that has a large part to do with it. I don't know. I could be wrong. I do get what you're saying, though, that some people kind of like, like, no, dude, I'm just, I put on my pants, like, I fucked up. I've run two businesses in the ground. Like, 
I've done stupid shit with my wife, argue. Mm-hmm. I've had bad part. Like, yeah. I don't know. I'm just still alive. You know? Yeah. I'm just still here. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that, I mean, like, you, you know, I think you're a really shining example of like, keep going. And that, I think that's, that's the not clear. quitting. Yeah. And that's the clear, but I think there was like a clear advantage in that and showing that I, I'm guessing the majority of your business in part has been earned because of that. If oh, yeah. not all of it. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously like if you would quit, you would not have a business, but. Well, I don't want to say anything, but I just landed somebody. I'll tell you outside the podcast uh-huh. that I've been trying to land for the last three years. I'm kind of like that guy. I whale hunt too. Mm-hmm. And, and it has all become from RDI and from sticking around and just still being there and just being fucking relentless on it. So awesome. I do have that box checked. I do want to point out though, to people like that, you got to know when to stop though, too. Mm-hmm. You got to like, I had that bad, like, I don't know. It's hard to describe to people who don't know, but there are some of us out there that just have a hard time. It's not admitting defeat. It's it was almost like a cult with me. Like hard work can fix anything, but that's not true either. Yeah. Sometimes you can fuck shit up so bad. Hard work can't fix it. Right. It's mm-hmm. just done. Yeah. You know? So I had a lot of like those bad ideas in my head. So if you're doing the same thing over and over for months or years and it still sucks, change it. Don't, mm-hmm. don't, don't be like that. That's what he means. Not do the same stupid shit over and over again. Yeah. That's, that's a really great point. It's, it's how many of those people we know go to meetings have been coming for years and still haven't done anything. I got a few people in my mind and I try talking to them and I'm like, that's not it. I think you should call them out. <laughs> no. Do do it. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Can, I you, don't, do, can uh, you do initials? You, give me some initials. I'll tell you when I'm when I'm done. I'm hoping they will eventually come around. All right. You yeah. know who you are. They do. Well, I do say it at the meeting. I know you say it at the meeting. But Shame. I- you came out here tonight for a reason. I True. say it at every meeting. You mm-hmm. came out here tonight for a reason. Talk to people. Who can you help and who can help mm-hmm. you? Yep. Don't just run out or hide or or do it. And I know that's scary for people, so I don't want to make it more scary that's by intimidating people via podcast. You know, I'll just talk shit behind. You know, I don't, you know who you are. They they do know who they are. Yeah, they always know who they are. So, and I encourage them. And some of them I've even told, like face to face, like, "Hey, man, you've been coming up for a long time. It's time to put up or shut up." Mm-hmm. Right. Those people should quit their jobs. That would be man. That might be good advice for them. Yeah, do it. Maybe you, you have to be you, forced to do it. You have my permission to quit your job. Or like with an accountability partner. Yeah. That was actually – so going back to that too, because I, I apprentice under Steve Londo and mm-hmm. I apprentice under Joe Delia. Mm-hmm. I was with um, Steve for two years and the Delia group for two two and a half years. Yep. Right. But – there's so many good things about doing it that way is I was more with them, even though all the bitch work, all the bottom work, all mm-hmm. whatever they wanted. Yeah. But I got access to everything that they had, their models, what worked, what didn't work. Yep. I got to go out. I got to make them money too. Yes. Right. Which by the way, if you really want somebody to help you a lot, make them some money, you start making them some money. And you get, amazingly enough, like, that's actually how Eric Friday got me, right? I was doing those calls, and finally he's like, hey, man, I got an appointment, but I want you to come with me 
and um, I'll do all the work and split it with you 50-50. And I'm like, you already have the appointment? Like, yeah, I already have the appointment. I'm like, well, shit. Why would that's I? That's awesome. Like, I, you just backed me in that corner, right? Like, <laughs> that's a hard – of course I better go. And yeah. like, since that day, mm-hmm. I know I've been dealing with a serious dude. You know, yep. like – yeah, in it to win it, dude. He's killing it. He is in yeah. it to like you got my you got my attention. So a good way to get somebody's attention is put yourself second, mm-hmm. put them first. Yep. Make sure there's a value add. I I had a lot of values that lined up with Steve, and I had a lot of values. To your point, I I didn't make that mistake after the first two. Mm-hmm. I had to do it <laughs> twice. You got to learn somehow. <laughs> Some of us are slower. Like you got it right out the gate. It is way better to do it the way Garrett did with the values, which is why I put so much emphasis on it when he was talking about it. Um, that actually worked, and it put a lot of value out there. And then you, everybody wanted to fucking help me. It was mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah, I had help coming out of the woodwork. It, to, and did I give up? Quote unquote profits. I think some people are like what profits. I didn't, wasn't getting in that business unless I went and. Got with them, but that's how some people think, right? They think yeah. what they're losing instead of mm-hmm. what they're getting beyond monetary value, even too. So Absolutely. I would throw that out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if if because even now, like for people that are you know more experienced, you, you know, you'll hear like if you can um, help people make money, like you're gonna make more. Yeah, um, I, I think that's uh, commitment too. I think like you, I'm bringing you in. Hmm. Hear, what do you want to do it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I think that's it, it's a really great way to get that help. Um, another great way is to br- bring a deal, and if it's a deal, that shit will come together. That will come together. Yeah, that's um, especially if you're a wholesaler. Like at this, I mean, how do I build the buyers list? How do I get them? If you're a whole, if it's, I don't care if it's your first one. Mm-hmm. I swear to God, if you're not, if you're not a crook. And it's a deal. Yep. Reach out to anybody in your local area network. This is why you network so you know who to make that call to, right? Mm-hmm. Give Garrett a call. Give me a call. Wherever you're at, there's yep. somebody you can make that call to. And then you could end up with that relationship. I helped Eric after that. I mean, I helped Eric a lot anyway. I help a lot of people. Yeah. But after that commitment, kind of like when you guys started your uh, Dirty House Buyers. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I'm looking for when I decide who to really, really help. I don't know another way to do it. You kind there of let the cream rise to the top mm-hmm. when people make that commitment. Same like if you quit your job, right? yeah. that's a commitment. It is. Start a meeting, that's a commitment. Start a new job, be an apprentice, that's a commitment. I'll work for you for two years. I told Steve I'd work for you for two years. I told Joe I'd work for him at least for two years. I did two and a half years. So I made commitments up front. And I got, I think, way more than all the money I made them back just in knowledge and experience and working with people where our values were aligned. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to do it too. Got to park your ego a little bit. Sometimes you got to do things you wouldn't or often you have to do things you necessarily wouldn't do because it's not your way. But what the hell do you know? Their yeah. money anyway, right? Yep. So you got to park that a little bit, but you can still kind of be an independent contractor that way as well. So something else to consider. Yeah, and that's – I mean that's absolutely true. And the other great thing about all of those situations is when you were helping Steve, you were getting paid. Yes. When you were working with Joe, you were getting, getting paid. I was getting paid. And that is awesome. Like you're getting 
frankly, you're getting paid to learn. And when you like compare that to like the whole like college student loan thing is like, I mean, I'm paying off student loans still. Frankly, like all of these conversations of like what negotiations did I have to do with Tara? Like, you remove those college loans, like shit. Like, yeah, a lot more wiggle room. Huh? Have a lot more wiggle yeah. room, you know. And that's, um, yeah, I bet there are a lot of people with the college loans that are keeping them from maybe taking that step into investing or maybe quitting that job or maybe making it bigger. Right? That's like a serious anchor. Yeah, I I think at our so we in the last six months paid off like one of my major loans. But prior to that, I think our student loans were around a grand a month, like all combined and, you know, cool. We've got these master's degrees and, you know, pottery. Did you get something good? (laughs) Underwater basket weaving. So yeah, basically pottery. (laughs) I did say he did. (laughs) So here's, here's what I will say about teaching. It's, you know, really enjoyable when you're in, in a classroom of, 20 for me, it was middle schoolers. Um, we're, we really get each other. Um, but I would never tell anybody to go into education because you're not going to have 20 kids. You're going to have 40 and you're going to get shit on and not get paid. So, and you, and you have more people above you micromanaging you too. I think the administration and that's pretty rough, right? You got a lot of people I, checking your shit. I, you know, I, I think it, when you look at it, like in the, like, I think it's the higher, higher up stuff, the, like in the political environment, I I think a lot of people will say they really support teachers and think they should be paid more and stuff like that. And then they will vote differently. And then that permeates that profession and it's really depressing. So both my wife and I are teachers, um, and, or were, and we left because it wasn't consistent pay raises and summers off that it was sold to us. So dude, I had a shitty baker's union. I was a part of for three years back in the day when I was a baker, same sort of thing. They come and tell us how to vote wouldn't give us anything. I couldn't negotiate pay raises with my boss because of the, sometimes the thing that's supposed to help you is the thing holding you back. Mm-hmm. Irony right there. Yeah. I, that's actually, especially when it's political. Cause you need everybody else to agree, right? It's not even mm-hmm. a matter about how good you are anymore. Yeah. Everybody else has a say in it too, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of that's kind of rough if you're ambitious and yeah. want to move up. It is. So yeah. So we. Um, anyways, that was a side tangent there. But um, yeah, so I have an English degree, and then a master's. I think that's in actually teaching. pretty. The English degree is valuable. It is. Yeah, and I. Um, so I actually did my first two years. I I actually studied engineering, and then I switched to a few things, and then engineering or English. Excuse me. So I do. Yeah, that's actually one of my greatest regrets. I joined the Navy, and I went to the nuclear power program purely based off the bonus. And I would have been much happier if I went and just got like an English degree, or like a or like a literature. So like mm-hmm. that's stuff I was actually really interested in besides being good at something and then fucking hating it, which I yeah. did. Yeah. I hated engineering. It was just absolutely miserable, right? Yeah. You got paid a shit. I got a huge mm-hmm. bonus, right? That was stupid. That's See, that's the kind of decision you make when you're 19. True. <laughs> I was thinking real far in the future. How, wait, how much are you going to give me? Yeah. You can see how incentive wow. and how motivated mm-hmm. I am by incentives. I'm like, yeah. that's a lot of money. I can do engineering. Yeah. So I, that's, that's really funny. Cause I don't, English is great. If you're going to be, it's, it helps you 
with speaking and writing, obviously, and things which like that. Like being a generalist, which are yeah. very important, absolutely. Uh, but probably also, not going to get a job, but at least you're valuable. not going to get it. Yeah, it's it's going it, to you're going to have to. I think with anything, right? You always have to take responsibility, and uh, but that degree is going to really force you to do it. And if you're like, oh, I'm going to get a degree to get a job, which there are still degrees that will get you that job. English is generally not one of those. No, no, it's not. That's uh, so. Jocko Willink went and got a, uh, a bachelor's degree and English uh, and. Basically, for that, for that reason, just be a better speaker and writer. So, I'm a big fan of that. So, I'm cognizant of time. Okay. And see here, it is 4.10. Is there anything we haven't talked about that you do want to talk about? It could be anything. You could do a plug. It could okay. be about your Startup 360 podcast. It could be yep. about an idea you had in your head. You're like, what do you guys think about this? Could tell a fart joke. I don't know, man. I, I, this is where I appreciate oh. you taking the time, driving yeah. out, sharing a lot of this stuff back and forth. Absolutely. What's uh, what's got your what's got your brain going? Anything I can do for you, or anything mm-hmm. you'd like to share? Yeah. So I, I guess a, a few things. Um, so one is obviously we've talked about the meetup. So again, uh, I think it's plug meetup.com slash dirty house buyers. Uh, it's the second Wednesday of every month. Um, go. So go. Yep. Just go. go, go to meetups, go to all of them, go often. Um, you'll, you will find people, even if it's not a good meetup, go for the networking. I think that's another really, uh, I think we kind of touched on it is like your network is really important and really try to focus on like giving to it, providing value. And if you can do that long enough, it's going to come back. And that's how I operate generally my businesses and I, th- I think in the end you get people that are fiercely loyal to you and go to bat for you and also hire you to do stuff or pay you in some way um and then yeah so the podcast so uh really excited about it so it's uh startup 360podcast.com and i sit down with basically startup uh founders and i interview them on a 360 camera which you people who know me have seen me screw around with um i've got a picture of us here which is cool yeah it's it's fun it's it's a little gimmicky but um it's, it's an interesting way to show your work which it, i'm a fan of showing your work mm-hmm. so and who else does it uh i do it and that's it i, I don't know about gimmicky man it's kind of mm-hmm. interesting yeah know? so it's i i think uh it's outside of real estate not excluding real estate per se um but it's not my my long term goals are to collect companies and be an investor in companies, and this is me trying to learn those ropes and get involved and get those connections. And it, I've already done four interviews, and I can tell you that it's it's going to be awesome. So, um, and it's really again building that network for me. That's the probably one of the biggest reasons I'm doing it. Um, well, tell everybody a dirty little secret right now. I'll interrupt. You're going to love this. If you want to get the best people to tell you exactly how they do it and come spend multiple hours with you mm-hmm. and thank you for it, start a podcast, get them some business, put them on. Yep. That was one of the reasons why I started this. I thought, 
man, I've made a lot of mistakes. Look at all these other successful people who didn't make the same mistakes. What can I learn from them? If you call them, hey, man, tell me everything you, you've you been doing. We'll sit down for three, four hours. And by the way, I'll buy you lunch. For some people, that's compelling. But for most, that's not. Whereas with a podcast, you're offering some value to them Absolutely. back. Right? So mm-hmm. there you go. That's, that's a pro tip right there from Garrett. Yep. So I will need you to subscribe to the YouTube channel so and then actually watch them so I can qualify for AdSense. The link is in the show notes. If you Beautiful. don't remember, all you got to do is go to description, scroll down. You'll have his emails, Facebook, everything is meetup, startup 360 podcast, and you just click it right there. Yep. And uh, I'm going to commit to launching one a week. Ooh. I just put that in the universe. Um, so don't edit that out, even if I ask you to later. I don't edit. So Good. there you go. It's too neither, hard. Neither do I. Um so, uh, for your audience specifically, I did, I sat down with somebody, uh, Heather Martel, who is working on a, uh, fintech company that is designed uh, to sell commercial real estate in pieces, uh, using blockchain technology. Interesting. And it's really fucking cool. I'm really interested in blockchain. I mm-hmm. think that could solve our deed problem and a lot of fraud and a lot of other things. I think it could solve a lot of financing problems too. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of opportunity there. And that is uh, what they are trying to do in part. So it's it's really cool. So that's that's episode three. So mm. you can't watch it unless you watch the other two and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> watch them all. Watch, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, so anyways, they're, but they're all really cool stuff. Um, so it's I've talked to a guy that makes parts for uh, utilities for like DTE, if you will, and all sorts of different stuff. So really cool. That is cool. Um, what else? I think that's it. Um, if you have questions and want to talk to me, I'm happy to do so. You can shoot me an email or give me a phone call and I'd be happy to talk. Um, and if, I guess if you feel like you should be a guest on my uh, podcast, Ooh, better, yeah. please do so. Um, let me know. Or if you know somebody, that would be great. And I think that's all I got. I'm excited to be on this. Finally made Fucking it. Fucking man. Thanks for coming out. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Everybody, Garrett Stuckey, G-E-R-R-I-T at Stuckey, realestate.com, S-T-U-K-K-I-E, realestate.com. You can also hit him up on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Garrett Stuckey and the number one, meetup.com forward slash Dirty House Buyers Go. Definitely go. You can hit him up on Facebook too. It's Dirty House Buyers Ann Arbor. But if you just go to meetup.com, it should all be there. And if you're interested in his podcasts, which you should be, startup360podcast.com. Go there. Check it out. Really appreciate your time today. Yeah, thank you Thanks for, for sharing everything. It was a fun one. I know we were kind of all over the board, but we were. I think we covered a lot of shit I haven't covered on other podcasts. I had a unique opportunity here, and I wanted to exploit it, I think. Um, awesome. I think it turned out really well, especially the quit and the two jobs part. I think that's going to be you. helpful for a lot of people. Yeah. They have I, a lot. There's a lot of decision that goes into is. that. So now you have more things to consider and maybe a you should path quit your forward. Job. Yeah, quit your jobs. Seriously, <laughs> do it. Just do it. All right, folks. Um, hook a brother up. If you enjoy this podcast, go rate and review on iTunes. That's actually 
takes hardly any time and believe it or not actually really does help. So if you enjoyed, if you don't go somewhere else and I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> if you want to attend any of the local meetings, go to, except I'm not sorry, renegadedetroit.com, meetup.com forward slash investors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. You can hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Jeremy Burgess. If you want me to list anything, sell top dollar, 313-600-2133, Southeast Michigan, five counties. I mostly work business to business, okay? I will take family people. I tend to do better with the working class. I think I terrify a lot of those high-end white-collar people. I'm very aggressive, but I'm good at selling shit. 313-600-2133. Now it's time where I want to take a moment to encourage you to take the steps you need to become financially independent. I don't know if you saw this shit show. Do you pay attention to the news at all? I always wonder what people watch and go, you know what? I feel so safe and secure with having all my money tied up in government. And I'm glad my corporate job has my entire retirement. And I'm glad it's all in the stock market. I have no fucking control of any of it. Quit your job. I'm going over the top here. <laughs> Take personal responsibility. I know it's like to start on the bottom. Many distractions, mistakes, poisonous people, bad habits. I remember when one of my goals was just to get up off the damn couch. Stick with it. Don't give up. Do something every day to get you closer. I really appreciate you guys uh, listening to the podcast, especially as I experiment and move forward and interview in new ways and explore new avenues. I appreciate your patience. I think it's going to pay off like it did here today. Until the next podcast, until the next meeting, crush it.